0: okay here we go (laughs) there whoa (laughs) sorry do you have anything else you would like to I'm just like saying. Your throat, I'm before any more phlegm you would like to oh. dislodge A- into the. A-
1: ASMR, Fleming dislodging.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> that does not sound pleasant, ah, but maybe, ah, you ah, know ah, what? Ah, I was about <laughs> to say I'm not here to kink shame, but I, I might kink shame that because that's pretty gross.
1: That's pretty fucking gross. Yeah, phlegm in particular. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Okay. No. Cool. No. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Here we go.
0: What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. Your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, <laughs> hi Britt, and Miss Christine Steimer is here. Hello, hello, and once again we are joined by Miss Rihanna Manuel, Hey. a hey, girl. Oh, uh, hey. she did. She did like a dance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> look at you showing us up. Jeez. She's like, look how cool I am with my that's what she said pillow in the background. Nice. Love it. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you ladies are here. We're going to talk about some video games this week. We are. Uh, hopefully, you, I mean, spoilers. We're going to be talking mm. about video games. If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, But we're also going to be talking about what we've been watching, because we all know in the quarantine times that we're in, we're all watching a lot more TV and movies than we probably ever have in the history of our lives. (laughs) Probably than we should. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's, you know, up for debate, but that's going to be in the third segment of this week's show. We, of course, are going to be talking about what we've been playing in the second segment, as per usual, and we've got some news to get to as well. Before we do that, we want to go over just a few announcements. If you guys missed it... We've been doing a show on Mondays at 11 a.m. at twitch.tv slash what's good games. It is appearing in your podcast RSS feed or at youtube.com slash what's good games as well. It's essentially just like a mini version of the Friday show that you get here where Britt and I kind of recap news from the previous couple of days. We take your questions at what's good slash dear WGG. And some weeks we also do some gameplay streams. If you guys have not yet turned on notifications for our Twitch channel, now would be a great time to do that because we're going to be doing random streams all the time. But every Monday for sure at 11 a.m. Pacific time, you can catch us live. And good news, everybody. We're an affiliate now. Ah! Woo! Oh, we did it. So what does that mean for you? Well, it means that if you have Amazon Prime, you get a free sub to Twitch. And we would kindly request, if you haven't given it to somebody else already, maybe you could give it to us. That would be really swell. Mm. Plus, we've got emotes, you guys. I've got the first <laughs> emote. It's the That's What She Said pillow. It looks great. I'm working on a second emo of Brit's face, and I'm really happy with what I've <laughs> workshopped so far. Nice. <laughs> Is it the so wine I- reaction face? Because I feel like that's a classic. Um, oh. that is a good one. No. So she took some custom photos for me and I showed them, um, to John cause I was editing them and he came out and he was like, what are these photos? <laughs> it's and your I secret like, kink pile. <laughs> <laughs> it's the spank bank material. I knew there
1: was someone out there for me all along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, is she like in pain? I go, no, that's her joyous face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they I know. are one in the same for Brittany. oh i was like oh god so i was sitting here like by myself in this room and i'm just making all these uh, faces and like clicking the you know the, the camera take photo and then i'm looking at them after and i'm like oh this is terrible and i felt like one percent bad sending them to you because all five of them look like i'm constipated or like something is <laughs> really bad is happening but i guess that's just You do it for us, Brittany, and we appreciate that about you. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. I think I pulled every muscle in my neck possible, but it's fine. Those are some weird faces I make. And if you and if I don't and if I force them, if I force them, it it, it's not great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We're we talking about me.
2: faces at this point. <laughs> yeah, it took a turn.
0: Whatever floats your boat, you, we could be talking about whatever is making you feel good because right now we're all under quite a bit of stress and hopefully if you guys are needing a release or some laughter, Brittany's amazing face can give it to you.
1: Oh boy, that is what she
0: said, ladies that and is, gentlemen. Uh, bing. But Where's the ch- symbol when I need it? Um, But thank you to everybody who has uh, given us their subscription. We really do appreciate it. We're going to be working on more stuff on our Twitch channel. So hopefully if you guys are into live streaming or watching us live stream, we can see you over there and we'll see you in chat. Also, you may have heard us talk a little while back about being involved with a really top secret Patreon project. Well, that project is now live. It's a cool little film that Patreon put together at a website – called creativityovereverything.com and essentially what it does is it emphasizes the struggles that creators have to go through in order to get their creations into the hands of their fans. And there's all kinds of creators that are featured, artists, musicians, cosplayers, and us here at What's Good Games um, because Patreon does have quite an assortment of different types of creators on the platform. And so a big thank you to Patreon for including us in that. If you guys want to take a look at it, uh, again, creativity over. Everything dot com is the website address. And um, I wanted to just take a moment to give a special thank you and shout out to all of the healthcare workers who listen to What's Good Games. We want to give you uh, the biggest props we can possibly give you since you are on the front lines of what's happening in this global pandemic. We got an email from a guy named Michael, who's an RN at the Denver Hospice, saying that the podcast really helps him get through some of the tough stuff that he's going to going through. And we've gotten some other messages from healthcare workers as well. So we just wanted to give you guys a little shout out and thank you for doing the work that the rest of us would like to do but are woefully unqualified to do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being qualified, willing, and courageous. We love you guys. You're the here, best. Here. Um, and now, Brittany, do you have any other announcements you would like to include?
1: Um, I think I would like to say, if you are listening to this on Friday, you should go to twitch.tv slash what's good games and watch the stream archive of Andrea playing Resident Evil 3. It's gonna... <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, I yeah. forgot I did that. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> I am so excited. Long, it's been a long week. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. She's going to play it. It's going to be available for you now. And look at big, brave girl Andrea playing zombie video games very proud of her
0: just so everyone's clear i definitely am playing on the most baby ass baby mode that i can get it on so we're recording the show before the stream happens so we weren't able to announce that we were streaming in advance because of the embargo restrictions from capcom with the game which was unfortunate but you know with part of the rules and we follow the rules here at What's Good Games but yes we did stream some of Resident Evil am I going to finish streaming it? who could say question mark depends on Um, how bored you get yes well there's a lot of other things that I think (laughs) are a little bit less stressful (laughs) that I would that I would maybe enjoy playing a little bit more so the good thing about
1: the good thing about playing it online though is you have you have an audience you're not truly alone that's true that's It kind of works.
0: That's true. That's true. Sure. Why not?
1: I tried. All right. Thank
0: you. Oh, sorry, Steimer. didn't mean to cut you off. Um, thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Mohammed, Mohamed, Marcus Brown, Punkdified, and Molly Bittner. And welcome to our Patreon community, Emily DeLeo, Jonathan, Sean Smith, Riff Gazzamotto, Raphael Vieira Costa, Mitchell Scheifeld? Sheffield, and Josh Earl. Welcome, everybody, to patreon.com slash what's good games.
1: I would also like to give a thank you to our new podcast reviewers. Insert something funny here. Okay, now I know y'all are just doing this on purpose. All right. um. (laughs) That's really like the name, that's their name, everybody, just
0: so if you were confused. Insert
1: something funny here. And then the next person is Get Shish shish, Bishish.
0: Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Guess-
2: it. Shish, bish, bish, shish. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of letters.
1: Yep. Lucas 99009, Urban Photography, who left us this very compelling review that says, Beans, beans, a magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. We Lovely. have... F- the f- more you toot, the better mm-hmm. you feel.
0: Beans, beans for every meal.
1: Oh, I haven't heard that second I part I haven't of it. heard the
0: second part of I it. I have
1: either.
0: What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's a classic. I mean, uh, the first act, sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we also have Urban. Oh, I already said that one. Theo Marine Acus Marina Marina m f- uh. oh. del thirty Trev nine three one six and Muz seventy four. Muzz sounds like a very that's dirty a nine. Word.
2: That's a nine, my darling dear. What did I say? You said <laughs> seventy four.
1: Oh, I don't know how that happened. Uh, Thank you, Muzz94. (laughs) Anyway, as we say every week, these reviews really help us out in the algorithm and to get smart eyeballs and ear holes on our show. So we really do appreciate those reviews if you can take a minute of your time and leave them. You can leave something like Urban Photography did and talk about beans and farting, and that's cool. It does the job.
0: Yeah. Tooting. I like that word, Toot. 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 We're a very mature group here. <laughs> at West oh,
1: Speaking of being a mature group, can we just give a shout out to all of the articles that we have seen in the past few weeks that recommend our show to children? Oh, yes. Oh, Th- There was recently <laughs> one. The National Youth Council of Ireland has listed us in an article called Resources for Young People Who Are Staying at Home, and they recommend our show. No. And- <laughs> no I mean... Cool. It's just it's just kind of funny when you see all the shows we get these like, quite a bit, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I think it's like they're like
2: females; they must be children friendly, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> I don't know." Uh, we uh, we've
0: duped them again, everybody. That's <laughs> debatable. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then there's just like a few hours later, we were in another article for teenagers. It's a thing.
2: It's cool. teenagers a little a little more acceptable than yeah. like children. <laughs>
1: please don't rain. let your
2: actual children listen to the show even though i know that some of you do like that's your own cross to bear <laughs> as a parent you you are responsible for your children
1: ah uh, we're just happy with we can do for you we will have the birds and the beast chat with your children we, we, wait we will wait, we will wait, i mean i do feel that, like that's that something that, we I, have just, to I don't do. want to take that, that, that on no. Okay, wow, wow, I just got, okay, fine, <laughs> fine, I'm sorry, I can't do this with my three colleagues. I, we're no, not going to do this. No, but Brittany,
0: if you want to volunteer to be the What's Good Games, Birds and the Bees expert. <laughs> oh, God. Please, by all means, take the stage. I, I mean, mean, I, I be mean be a not a right now, clip. let's not, let's not have that, let's not do that conversation right now. All right, let's get into the news. And this week, the news is brought to you by What's Good Games Live on Twitch. We already talked to you about how great Twitch is. Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. Please go there, follow us. Turn your notifications on, and if you've got a sub to give, maybe give it to us. And that's all I'm going to say about it. All right, so E3 is a thing that is not happening this year in its normal form. We don't yet know if this digital E3 is actually going to happen, but the closer we get to where E3 was supposed to be, the more it looks like it's not. And something that may be a nail in that coffin is this headline, that Bethesda is skipping their E3 conference, plus they've canceled Quakecom. So over at Kotaku, they write that Bethesda won't be holding any sort of digital news event in June around when E3 would have been. The company's VP of marketing, Pete Hines, announced on Twitter today, which would be a couple days ago. Uh, Other publishers have mentioned working on alternate plans following the event's cancellation, though nothing firm has been announced yet. And then over at Polygon, they write that QuakeCon, the annual celebration of id Software and Bethesda Softworks' many game franchises, has been canceled due to the outbreak of the novel coronavirus known as COVID-19. The fan convention has taken place since 1996, and this would have been its 25th year. In recent weeks, an announcement on Twitter reads, we have spent a lot of time discussing... I'm guessing it's supposed to be a discussion, business discussion, how we might still move forward with QuakeCon this year. However, with all of the logistical challenges and uncertainties we currently face due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we have made the difficult decision to cancel this year's QuakeCon. The event was scheduled to take place August 6th through the 9th at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas. And unlike other stations as New York, California, and Illinois, the governor of Texas has yet to order a statewide lockdown. Various municipalities are mobilizing as cases of the novel coronavirus have begun to mount. And id Software and Bethesda Softworks have opted to not run the risk of bringing in attendees from around the world, even though the event was scheduled to take place in the summer. Quote, while we don't know what the state of the pandemic will be this August, QuakeCon continued, we do know that it will not be possible to complete the work and planning with partners, vendors, volunteers, and others that is required to make QuakeCon a success. So this is not surprising. Um, But before we get into discussion about it, Britt, we have a... We have a question from a patron.
1: We do, because if you are a patron at patreon.com slash what's good games every Wednesday afternoon, I make a post there, I ask for questions, and you can be like Ian Sharp and ask us a question and get get it right on the show. It's great. Ian's question is, with Bethesda skipping E3 and instead releasing information about games individually, does that help game creators better manage crunch if they don't have a fixed conference deadline to meet?
2: I mean, short answer, yes. Like... That definitely does help, I do think also it 's smart for them to skip e three because with you know a lot of studios moving to work from home people 's output is not the same, and it 's much more difficult to work together remotely, um, especially on like a software team like that it 's obviously possible. It is not impossible, but it does usually mean a little bit slower rate of completion and especially at the beginning, especially while there's a pandemic going on, people are stressed. This is not the time to be forcing people to create something under a deadline like e three in my opinion yeah no
0: i'm I'm with you that It is possible, but stressful. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when you look specifically at QuakeCon, you don't want to celebrate your 25th year under everything that everybody's been dealing with. And, you know, the idea that you would make it probably like a little bit bigger of a celebration than QuakeCon is normally because of it being 25 years and all of that. So I understand, you know, Bethesda's reasoning behind canceling it, especially since a lot of... There's still, like, a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen. And, you know, it feels like we keep getting different information with each 24 hours that passes. It's like, oh, there's something new and the, the strategy's changing. And so I get that uncertainty. I also think that Bethesda usually keeps their cards pretty close to the chest about what they're going to be announcing at their E3 conferences. We usually have visibility about like one title and we can hypothesize about a couple others. And I think a lot of us were hoping that we were going to get a first look at Elder Scrolls VI at this year's E3, even if it was a tease. But we do know that that game is also not going to be ready for this year at the very least. Mm -hmm. I would say probably 2021 at the earliest. But um I do, I was hoping maybe we'd hear more about Starfield, but I think that maybe Bethesda will do that as a separate standalone event at some point in the future.
1: Maybe GDC summer. Who knows? Mm -hmm. As a fun throwback, I have our Bethesda E3 2019 predictions in front of me. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And it's thanks to their magic eight ball. One of them was, will Pete Hines say, we fucked up on stage? Better not tell you now. (laughs) Will BJ say, daddy's home and Wolfenstein 3 be revealed? Cannot predict now. Will we get a release date for Doom Eternal? Which is kind of funny. My sources say, no. Will they announce Prey 2? Will we get another Evil Within game reveal? So it's kind of fun to look back on those. And that's what we were looking for, right, at last year's Bethesda E3 press conference. And, well, I think we kind of flunked all of those. (laughs) The Magic 8-Ball failed failed us. That's true. It's not our fault at all. As, you know, people (laughs) in this industry, it was the Magic 8-Ball's fault.
0: Mm -hmm, Oh, man. What are we going to do for our E3 prediction show? I mean, if there's no E3... (laughs)
1: I know, but it, it's like a really
0: fun thing. It's so sad. I
1: mean, everything just... will be
3: later. I think that's the, the main
1: prediction. <laughs> Hopefully, or... as event, events get announced, streams, then we can take those and do our little our usual thing with it. But it's, it's not going to be yeah. the same. Whenever we
2: get a new trailer or a something, we will now sit with the Magic Gate Ball. Okay. And we will ask it questions about that piece of content. That's it. It's just going to be a much more fragmented (laughs) magic. It'll be a scattering, like someone smashed the magic 8-ball and now there are pieces of it all around on the show instead of being one show. Hmm. That sounds
0: tragic for the 8-ball to get smashed. I know. It's a a metaphor. We're not actually smashing it. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever seen what's inside of a magic 8-ball? Liquid you probably shouldn't drink.
1: What I was gonna say to something it? like <laughs> magic fairy dust, unicorn tears, and summer's so like fucking facts dropping now. Liquid you shouldn't <laughs> drink.
0: Liquid with chemicals in it. Don't drink it, kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll keep our eyes peeled if Bethesda will do something potentially later in the summer or the fall. We do know that Gamescom is still happening. Speaking of which, the next story comes via IGN. Um, this is not the actual headline of this article. I'm realizing I need to open this article up and read the actual headline. Gamescom will go ahead, at least in a digital format, So this story says that millions—so there was a statement made, I should say. Millions of fans worldwide are excited about Gamescom 2020, said the game managing director, Felix Falk, in a statement. This is why we are determined to celebrate the latest news announcements and world premieres together with the community again this year at the end of August. In the view of the corona crisis, we are now expanding all digital formats at full speed so that Gamescom 2020 can at least take place digitally in any case— Falk said that fans can expect opening night live in the Gamescom Now portal to return to the event as they determine how to expand its digital strategy. Gamescom will still take place from August 25th through August 29th with the Devcom developer conference still set for August 22nd through the 24th. However, according to the article, they are going to reassess Oh, yes. A mid-May evaluation will take place to determine how Gamescom can move forward with its usual cologne-based presence, if at all. Mm -hmm. So, they said in a quote here, if an on-site event is possible, there will also be more information at that state with regard to what changes need to be made in order to fully ensure the health of all visitors. This has been arranged with the latest, excuse me, with the largest exhibitors. Therefore, all Gamescom plans are continuing at full speed. So, That's interesting to hear because Gamescom is by headcount the largest gaming convention in the world. And I don't know if y'all have seen the videos of what Gamescom looks like when they open the doors, but it is terrifying.
2: I have been to Gamescom. Yeah? Have you
0: ever been in that lineup where they were like the running of the bulls to get in? No, I
2: worked it, so I had my own entrance. (laughs) smart (laughs) i mean not really smart they made us work 12 hours a day but it was
0: (laughs) that's terrible it
2: was fine everything's fine drinking your (laughs) coffee the room's on fire
1: speaking of shenanigans that have been changed rtx just announced that they postponed their event from 4th of july weekend to september 5th through 7th i believe i don't have labor day weekend yeah labor day weekend which is usually the same same weekend as pax west pax west yeah yep yeah and
2: also dragon con yes dragon Dragon con Con is also that weekend Um, Mm -hmm. so if if things can happen then i guess they're all gonna happen at the same time
0: (laughs) (laughs) seems like yeah it's It's a bummer that they had to move RTX because we had planned to go to RTX this year. We are working with our partners at Rooster Teeth to figure out if there is a way for us to still be part of RTX, given that it is over PAX weekend now. To be clear, ReadPop has not officially announced the dates for PAX West, but historically, PAX West has always been over Labor Day weekend. So there's no reason for us to anticipate it not being over Labor Day weekend this year. But I imagine the reason why ReadPop has not announced it is that they want to have a little bit of flexibility in case things change or shift over the next couple of weeks and they want to be able to delay or move dates. And that way they don't have to worry about people making travel arrangements and rearranging everything, which is smart of them. But you know, I don't I don't anticipate at the moment PAX canceling because if you think about it, it's the only show now in North America that's really going to take place in the window that is really prime marketing for video games ahead of the holiday, especially with the two new consoles still supposedly on track. We got, you know, confirmations, which Bert and I talked about on the Monday show from both Sony and Xbox that the neither of the consoles are delayed. And so PAX West is going to become an even more important show with the absence of E3 than it has been probably literally any other year that PAX West has been running. So it's, it's a bummer for sure. But um, we're obviously glad that the team at Rooster Teeth is taking precautions and making sure to keep people safe, their staff safe, um, all of the creators, and, of course, all of the fans that attend. So um, more on that in the, in the coming weeks and months. But, um, but yeah, kind of Crazy. a bummer.
3: Bit of a bummer, but I mean everything yeah. has to happen eventually. So there's things that are going to end up overlapping, and it can't really be avoided. There's only so many weekends left in the rest of the year once we're able to fly around the country again. So you just got to choose your battles at this point. It's
1: so weird. It's just so weird yeah. to think about. I feel like this new year just started at the same time. I feel like it's been going on for ten years by itself. <laughs> the month of March has been the longest month. March so, was like 150 days. Yeah, I'm not sure how that happened, but it did happen. Well, do you ladies want to talk about some Call of Duty? Yes. Ooh, sure. Let's do it, Brit. Take Look it away, ex- Britt. Okay, so Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered Campaign is out now. Whoa. This comes from Via Polygon. After a brief leak on Monday morning, the remastered version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's campaign is official. Activision announced the remaster on Tuesday, which will be released first on PlayStation 4. The remastered campaign features, quote, high-definition visuals up to 4K resolution and HDR support on console. Activision's Activision said in a news release, and an uncapped frame rate and ultra wide monitor support on PC. The original Modern Warfare 2 had 18 missions, including the infamous and skippable, no Russian mission, which tasked players with moving through an airport as civilians are killed by terrorists. You could participate in the killing or not. The game does not include Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer or spec ops mode. Modern Warfare 2's campaign remaster also comes with the underwater demo team classic ghost bundle. This bundle of content for Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and Call of Duty Warzone includes the new UDT operator skin for Ghost, two new weapon blueprints, a new weapon charm, a new finishing move, a new voice quip, a new player card, and emblem. The remastered version of the Modern Warfare Two campaign is available for purchase now on PlayStation Four and can be pre-purchased on Xbox One and Windows PC through the Blizzard clients. So we have a question from Patreon.com/slash What's Good Games from one Josh Games. I almost said Gomez, and I was like, yeah, it's probably games. You're probably being cute and cheeky. He says, what's good, ladies? With the news of the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remastered being seemingly shadow dropped on PS4 and Xbox and PC later, this begs the question, how are people going to react to the infamous No Russian mission? Not to be one of those guys, but I'm genuinely curious to see slash hear how people are going to take to that being dropped into the current world climate, especially with how their reaction to the white phosphorus being a perk. Sorry, I don't know the actual bro shooter terms in the most recent game. Am I overreacting here, or is there the potential for a massive amount of completely enforced social media outrage on deck?
0: Um, that's an interesting question, Josh. I honestly don't think it's going to be as big of a deal right now because... People's minds are elsewhere. I think when people have time to be mad about trivial things, they shout their anger about trivial things. And I think we've talked about that on the show before about how frustrating it is that people get so worked up over things because their lives must be so good that they need to find something to be angry about. And it's these little things because otherwise they would be dealing with the bigger bullshit that's in their life. And right now, a lot of us, in fact, the vast majority of us have bigger bullshit happening in our lives because of what's happening around the world. And so I honestly think that this is probably going to fly under the radar and people aren't going to make a stink about it because people made the stink about it back when it came out. And people have made stinks about it, you know, after the fact, but given what's happening in the world, I would say, I would say no. I think the thing that people did get upset about, which was kind of a head scratcher, is why... PlayStation didn't get out ahead of this with messaging Mm -hmm. to say that this was going to be part of their exclusive um, DLC drop system that they have with Call of Duty. So we know that Call of Duty and PlayStation or Call of Duty, uh, excuse me, Activision and PlayStation have had a a marketing partnership for quite some time now and that they've gotten 30 days exclusive access to multiplayer maps and a variety of other things. I wouldn't have imagined that the entire campaign as DLC would have been part of that deal, but apparently it was. And so, and they didn't really tell people that. And we do know from experience that gamers tend to get really upset when you don't message things properly. Mm-hmm.
1: I thought we were the most logical group of people on the planet. <laughs> what are you talking about, Andrea? Uh, speaking about Sony exclusivity, worth noting that Call of Duty, well, Sony is not releasing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 in Russia. It's coming still, though, to Xbox and PC, but they said, nay, we are not opening that can of worms. We're going to leave that to Xbox and PC. So there you go.
0: Interesting. That is a... Mm -hmm. That's a weird choice. I wonder wonder
1: why. The official tweet from Call of Duty Russia, which is Call of Duty RU, says, Call of Duty Modern Warfare (laughs) 2 campaign remastered, this is translated, is a completely fictional 2009 campaign recreated in HD quality. Sony has decided not to sell the game in Russia PS Store. We look forward to the release of the game in digital form for PC and Battle.net and Xbox consoles. Uh, you know, probably because they just they know that the Russians probably aren't very big fan of that game. Or at least the Russian higher-ups. The brass, if you will. So they don't want to piss people off. Uh, yeah. That's just my little guess.
3: That's fair. The interesting thing about the No Russian Mission, at least from the original Modern Warfare 2, which I played through is that you have the option to play the mission, you have the option to shoot civilians, or you have the option to do absolutely nothing. And it's interesting that in this climate, obviously many years later, the world is completely different, that they haven't really given a lot of detail about what your options will be now, because Mm -hmm. I think that does change the way it hits. Like it, It hits different if you can't choose to go completely passive on that mission. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: Yeah, and I assume
3: it would be the same. I would find it really odd if they took that away from you. Yeah, it would be odd. I hope they we'll see how it
1: goes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure we would have because this was we covered this on the Monday show as well. Back when it was still, you know, rumored to stealth launch on Tuesday and then it actually launched today on Wednesday. But um, yeah, you know, it's also this was in 2009. And I feel like that, that was 11 years ago. Holy shit. The games have, I think, pushed the boundaries wow. to so much further. I know, right? That just no. broke
2: my brain a little bit. Uh, in my I head, I was thinking 2019 for some reason. I don't know why. Like, brain was like, "Oh, it wasn't that long ago."
1: Yeah, no, that was you know 11 years ago. And I think games have kind of come a long Wild. way, and they tackle more mature themes. And I mean, I don't. am not saying they've tackled more mature machi- more mature themes than that of a terrorist attack in an airport, but you know, they continue to push the envelope. And yeah, I don't think anyone's really going to make a stink about this one.
3: Yeah, you know, I know. the scene
1: still fits narratively,
3: and it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. That's the point. So, yeah. I don't know. I feel like people have a better context for it nowadays. But yeah, and we'll I see. feel like
1: I just got my Modern Warfare 2. What was that Elite Edition, the Collector's Edition, where you got the night vision goggles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was me. I was out in my parents' yard, stealthing around, looking at raccoons and shit. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I can definitely <laughs> see that. I totally did. Those were the days. Oh, barely 21. Oh, yeah. Let's go.
0: I. Yeah, nope, I have nothing better to add to that.
1: Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't stealth, you know, sneak on raccoons wearing night vision goggles, Andrea, back in... Well, you weren't here. You weren't... Where were you in 2009? You were in Fiargo. I was in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so never mind. You you wouldn't have been...
0: I was bartending, trying to make rent in a post-Great Recession world. Feeling sorry for myself. Let's Mm. not go back to 2009. Anyway, next story... (laughs) yeah <laughs> uh epic games offers one million dollars reward for evidence of house party smear campaign Steimer, you want to read this one that depends because right now i'm getting echo in my ears
2: okay rihanna i'm pitching it to you
0: i got you it got this
2: i got it so from ign we
3: have um Epic Games is offering $1 million reward to the first person who can prove that a commercial smear campaign targeted at House Party, a social network Epic owns, has been put together. So House Party is a face-to-face social network that allows users to group video chat and play games together. And Epic Games has purchased House Party as of last year. So originally, this was reported by the BBC, and House Party believes it's under attack by a, quote, Paid commercial smear campaign, end quote, meant to harm the company. Um,
0: House party. So this, yeah, sorry, so this was a tweet that this was a tweet that House Party made that was in the middle of the story. Just so you're aware of what right. this italics is. Got it. Okay.
3: So House Party tweets: We are investigating indications that the recent hacking rumors were spread by a paid commercial smear campaign to harm House Party. We are offering one million dollar bounty for the first individual. To provide proof of such a campaign, to com. Sorry, I'm giggling because Brittany keeps doing the Dr. Evil pinky.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giggling because this is a ridiculous story.
3: <laughs> I know. I'm trying to give it the, the, the gravitas it deserves. Okay. <laughs> this bounty for evidence comes after a slew of online rumors that allege the House Party app exposes vulnerabilities to personal information found on other services like Netflix and Spotify. Uh, BBC reported that several Twitter users posted screenshots claiming to show that after downloading the House Party app, they were locked out of things like Netflix, Spotify and personal bank accounts. Quote, we found no evidence to suggest a link between House Party and the compromises of other unrelated accounts. End quote. And that's from an Epic Games person. Sorry, Epic Games spokesperson when they were talking to the BBC. Quote. As a general rule, we suggest all users choose strong passwords when creating online accounts on any platforms, end quote. Good advice. (laughs) House parties' popularity has risen with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, rising from an average of 130,000 downloads in a week in February to 2 million in a week in March, according to BBC.
1: Ha!
2: That's interesting. I do love that their spokesperson quote is basically like, Hi, user error. If anything, if anything happened to you, it's because you fucked it up. Like,
0: (laughs) that's what this says. (laughs) I love, though, the reason I pulled this story and added it to the show notes is because there are a vocal minority of very loud people who are adamant and insistent that Epic Games is shady and doing these things and that. Now anybody associated with Epic Games is shady and doing these things. And so I love that Epic is like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a million fucking dollars if you can prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. You think you're a cool Internet commenter posting in your forums complaining about how bad of a company we are. We'll give you a million fucking dollars.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know. Speaking of Epic Games, we didn't touch, this, touch on this during our Monday show, but they recently announced a publishing deal with Remedy and Playdead, <gasps> oh, and I believe yes. there was one more. Wasn't there oh, three? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Let me pull that story okay. up. So as she's pulling that up, this is kind of the lowdown of how that whole deal is going to work out, and they shouted this from the rooftops, which I think is really cool to get an inside look of how the deal is structured. So the developers will have full creative control of their games. Developers retain 100% of all IP. Epic Games Publishing will cover up to 100% of development costs from developer salaries to go-to-market expenses such as QA, localization, marketing, and all publishing costs. Once costs are recouped, de- developers earn at least 50% of all profits. And so Remedy announced that they are working on two unannounced games and that Epic is essentially funding all of, like every bit of it, which I think is really neat. So to kind of put this in perspective, I pulled an article here.
0: If While that, you are going to say that, so yeah. the the three devs were um, uh, Jen Design, mm. who made The Last Guardian, Play Dead, known for Inside and Limbo, and then as you mentioned, Remedy, which of course made, you know, one of the best games of the year last year, Control.
1: Okay, so yeah, talking about Control... Here's the thing I want to read. So another publisher's deal with Remedy makes for an excellent comparison with Epic. For investing $7.75 million into Remedy's development of Control, which costs between $20 and $30 million to make, and handling market and distribution, 505 Games secured publishing rights for 20 years. For that 20-year period, Remedy gets 45% of Control's net revenue, which refers to revenue after the investment is recouped, retail costs, marketing costs, and so on. Practically, this means that if Remedy's new game flops and Epic never recoups its investment, Remedy won't have lost money because Epic paid for the entire cost of development. The deal with 505 Games didn't even cover half of Remedy's development expenses and took a 5% greater net revenue cut. Epic is bearing more of the risk. those oh, this came from PC Gamer. So, yeah, like, that's a really good deal. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I saw on Twitter people being people be people
2: being mad, because of course they're going to oh, be mad. And they were like, it was just like, well, why would you, they're just doing this for the money, and you're like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Surprise, and surprise. I don't know if you realize this, but video games are a business. <laughs> like, shake They cost
3: my whiskey a bottle lot to make. Like, video games cost so much money to make. Like, yeah. somebody needs mm-hmm. to be able to say like, hey, we need to make money on these things at some point.
2: I like that uh, Epic is using, it's you know, Scrooge McDuck bank vaults to pay it forward a little bit with these smaller developers who I are mean, not even that you necessarily call Remedy small, but they are an independent dev and like mm-hmm. everybody struggles at times. And so it's, it's nice to see that they are reaching out to people that they consider talented, but want to keep supporting uh, or want to make sure like that they can still keep making creations for the world because there's obviously a world in which that doesn't happen because of expenses and not enough sales or there's so many factors when you're running a business and so many different ways you can go bankrupt so um i think this is great gg
1: yeah yeah it's good job good job epic you guys are great you're doing good work and it's cool to see them publicly talking about this and essentially you know it's This is what they're doing, and if you're not living up to the Sanders, granted, like, not everyone can do what Epic's doing. Like, Steimer said, huge fucking Scrooge McDuck pile over there. Yeah, I mean, looking at you, Steam, where you at? Yeah. Steam is Daddy Warbucks, so they're keeping
2: all
0: that shit to themselves.
1: (laughs) I know, right? They're hoarding it. They're like that (sighs) dragon you guys like from Lord of the Rings so much.
0: Smog. Smog.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's
0: yeah. on his dragon pile of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't need to reiterate. You guys know how I feel about it. I think I think Epic is great. I think the way they support devs is great. I think the way they support their team is great. The way they support their the families that support their teams are great. And like, if you have it in your mind that you're convinced that Epic is evil for some reason, I don't know how to convince you. I know lots of people that work for Epic Games, and I've met lots of developers who have taken publishing deals from Epic Games that said, like, our studio would not be able to make this game without the support of Epic, and so I think that they're doing really positive things for the industry. And I'm not going to say it again.
2: I mean, well, I probably will
1: say it again. I mean, I probably will.
2: They've got a have <laughs> got a paid commercial smear campaign going around. That's, <laughs> that's <is>.
1: so funny. <laughs>
0: Oh, all right. Um, Steimer, I feel like you should read this next one so Brittany can, can express her Happily, her the, about the it. speech
2: jammer effect has gone away, so I may speak now. Uh, people are already playing Final Fantasy VII Remake in Australia. Brittany, face, please. Oh, oh look <laughs> oh, the bird. Just a slow middle finger rising from the depths. All right. Uh, this is Via Kotaku. So, when Square Enix announced physical copies of Final Fantasy VII Remake would ship to Europe and Australia earlier than its April 10th release date due to the COVID 19 pandemic, we didn't think they met this early. The eagerly anticipated game is already in the hands of many Australians as evidenced by a growing number of Twitch streams and YouTube videos. <laughs> Quote, love living in us right now. So reads the title of one of the numerous <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake live streams on Twitch this morning, nine um. days earlier than the official release date. What was supposed to be a global release on April 10th has turned into a strange, staggered release due to the complications brought on by, COVID, by the COVID-19 crisis. More than 30 streamers are broadcasting the adventures of gussied-up Cloud and Friends in Remake Midgar, <laughs> and that number is only going to grow. Uh, Note that the early re- uh, release only covers physical versions of the game. The Australian PlayStation Store still <laughs> lists digital versions of Final Fantasy VII Remake for the April 10th release.
0: That's just the shit, too, is that they are digging the people who are buying digital, even though the profits that Square makes in the digital are greater because they don't have to bear the burden of the cost of physical. It's crazy to me that now that the game is out in Australia that they haven't just lifted the digital release worldwide. And we talked about this on the Monday show and about what that would mean and what the implications would be for everybody who bought retail or pre-ordered at retail. And I think in, I think the discussion that Brett and I had was, I think a make good that Square could do to kind of make everybody feel better about it is say, you know what? Did you buy it at digital? We're going to give you, uh, or did you buy it at retail? We're going to give you a digital code right now and you can get access if you have the receipt. Like if you have like the paid in full receipt, not just a pre-order $5 down at GameStop, like the full like $60 like I'm waiting for my copy receipt then we'll give you a digital code and we'll give everybody access like that's like that's what they should do like 9 days early is a lot we don't even have codes from Square Enix yet <laughs> for the game um, as of shooting the show on Wednesday and so when we see people playing we get we get your frustration it's it sucks and i feel i think like what they got to do now is just be like yo know, yo know, the world's on fire right now how about we just have a kumbaya moment where we say you know what let's just release it early
1: just yeah, do it. you know, part of me I want to be angry, but right now there's a lot of shit going on. So if Final Fantasy VII is helping to find people of Australia, and listen, they get the shaft all the time with video games. They do. Oh yeah, Australia they do. gets like the worst of it. They, so you know what? You go on with your bad self. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm obviously a little a little jealous, just just an eensy bit jealous. But I'm also very happy for all those people and their kangaroos. We also have a Patreon question from Mitch Crasson. Who says do embargoes ever change based off
2: of extenuating circumstances? Final Fantasy yes. VII is out in some countries, yet the embargo hasn't lifted yet. Or is it a case of don't break it just to be safe? Yes, I mean you do not break embargo even if the thing Never. is out.
1: No, don't. Yeah. Uh-uh. But it's not uncommon. I mean, it doesn't happen that often. But you know, you will get emails from PR saying like, okay, actually do this, that and the other. Um, go ahead and feel free to talk about this. Or on the flip side, something will leak before it's not supposed to or someone will break embargo and you get that email from PR saying like, just because this has been posted does not mean you can do the same thing. Right? It's kind of like a dancing game.
2: Yeah, it depends on the the team and on what exactly has happened. In this case, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, again, as Andrea said, we don't have anything right now. So even if an embargo lifted, we would have nothing to say. Uh, But if if that was not the case and we did, um, it would be something where we would still have to go through and, like, email the PR team and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. we know this is out here. Has that changed embargo? Has that not changed embargo? And then they usually respond and say yes or no. And then you go from there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: My um, experience with embargoes changing has been, for the most part, they say no because they usually go and do like takedowns, like cease and desist, with people who get it early. But generally, if they do change their mind, it's because a critical mass of people have done it, and they just their legal team just can't keep up with the takedowns, and then they're like, "This is futile. Let's just." Let's just let everybody post. But there's been multiple times where somebody has accidentally broken a bargo because they post, they scheduled something to post and like their CMS posted it accidentally from some kind of technical glitch or human error because they picked the wrong time zone and then it went live early or whatever. Uh, And then they have said, oh, well, you know, it's fine. Just go ahead. Everybody post. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating, honestly, as somebody who covers games, because particularly with video coverage, I can remember multiple times where they moved a video embargo and the editing of the video just wasn't ready. And then all of these other people who have bigger staffs or who have a dedicated department to do editing were able to kind of get their coverage up immediately or hit it live right away. And then some of the outlets that I worked at, we just couldn't compete. And then every hour that you're behind kind of drops you in the SEO rankings. And it's it's really frustrating when that stuff happens, but... They knew this was coming. They announced that they were going to be shipping early. Like they knew in advance. They could have made a different strategy, but they didn't.
1: Yeah, so. it, it's weird. I feel like with Final Fantasy VII, one of the most anticipated games for how long now. It's weird that it's a staggered, like it almost feels like it's a staggered release. It feels like you know waiting for that embargo to break and looking at all the review scores pour in. There's that kind of like magic about that that's really exciting, or maybe that's just you know something I get off on, get off on personally. But, you know, I don't think, like the article said, when we covered this on Monday, no one really expected this to, for this, you know, street date to get broken and with the, all the brick and mortar stores, but it's happening. So, you know, it, it's it's weird. It's in a weird position because on one hand, something I love about what we do, you know, as people who work in the industry, it's thrilling to play a game and then get to tell the world about it for the first time, right? And this is probably more of a selfish point of view. But I feel like getting able to, being able to do that with Final Fantasy VII, is just it's not really an opportunity anymore because a lot of people are already playing it and people are breaking, you know, and it's fine. This is just, like, probably a Brit thing. but I mean, uh, they aren't breaking embargo. No, they don't no, have they're an not. Embargo. But yeah. it, there's, yeah. like, no, yeah, exactly. That's just it. Like, there's no embargo. So I was obviously, like, looking forward to gushing to the world about it. But at this, on the flip side, like I was saying earlier, hey, like... I think this game is going to be really good for a lot of people. I think this is a really beefy, meaty game that will take people to a different alternate universe of Midgar where hopefully they will forget about the shitfire that is happening in our current world. So that's way more important than my selfish little desires that I get off on from now and then. But also speaking about Final Fantasy VII real quick, and this is going to tie into my Resident Evil 3 um, review in the next segment. So the game's over 100 gigs, and one of the reasons for that is that... God damn, Really? Yeah, that's what I'm reading. It's over 100 gigs? That's what I'm reading, yeah. And one of the reasons is because Square created unique assets for every section of the game. So you're not going to see reused assets, which I think is really fucking cool. And it really turns my crank and flips my switch, if you will. And that's something Resident Evil 3 kind of suffered from. So it's cool to see that they put this much time and effort into that. And that's something that I know I will notice. And I'm sure a lot of people will as well. Just like the little TLC that goes into the details of these games but
0: it's
1: so it's gonna it's gonna take so long to download
0: everybody's throttling their downloads oh no
2: they really should allow digital downloads now because it's gonna take the whole nine days to download it (laughs) (laughs) just let us preload please we gotta we gotta preload this shit it's not gonna work (laughs) on day one
0: Oh, I know. Uh, Rihanna, are you a Final Fantasy person?
3: I don't think I've ever ever talked about it with you. Because I've never played anything Final Fantasy.
1: High five, girl. Hey. High five. No Final Fantasy. Friends. You're lucky you're an hour north of me. <laughs> One of these days
3: it'll happen. Maybe it'll be content. We'll see. However, <laughs> I have no idea what anything Final Fantasy is. I know Cloud is blonde and that's about it.
1: I mean, so, that's good thing to know. That yeah. is something. You know, the good thing about Final Fantasy, and I won't turn this into a whole thing, is typically every game is its own standalone. So you don't have to know much more than general JRPG knowledge. Is you know, you have a lot of over the top characters and turn based battles, and you know, fifteen kind of went away from that. Started kind of, but. You got this. I believe in you. If you ever have an inkling, you ever if it ever sounds good, you let me know and I'll recommend a game. Otherwise We'll see how
3: long we're in lockdown. I may Okay,
1: if it gets I to that get point <laughs> If it gets to that point. Okay, fair.
0: <laughs> um all right, so we have just a couple more things to round out our news segment in the kind of in case you missed it part of The news. So I put together just a couple more feel-good COVID-19 updates because I know that there seems to be a never-ending supply of really depressing news around it. We have some good stuff happening as well. There was a fundraiser that happened on Twitch that raised over 2.8 – or excuse me, almost $2.8 million for the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund for the World Health Organization. In total, the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund has raised – Um, oh, sorry, over $116 million from over 200,000 individuals and corporations so far, and the number is growing, so by the time the podcast airs, that number will be even higher. The funds will make sure that health workers around the world have critical supplies like masks and gloves and will also go towards the development of a vaccine. The gaming community has been organizing in really unique ways from bringing together musical artists to hosting streams on Facebook, and the Twitch fundraiser is a perfect example of that um there's a lot of people covering it we talked about it on the monday show as well plus rockstar has announced that it will donate five percent of its online revenue to covid 19 relief efforts the news was revealed in a post from the rockstar games twitter account where the company explained that from april 1st five percent of in-game purchases in gta online and red dead online will go towards covid 19 relief the donation period will last until the end of may quote, these funds will be used to help local communities and businesses struggling with the impacts of COVID-19, both directly and by supporting some of the amazing organizations who are on the ground. So, uh, that's really exciting to hear. I'm glad that Rockstar is making an effort to donate some of their funds they are one of the behemoths in the video games industry so five percent of proceeds from gta online will go a long way and i think that that is awesome plus some other good news the outer world is coming to switch in june if you have held out and not yet played the outer world first off why it was one of our <laughs> top picks of 2019 we all loved that game um but I guess you can wait and play it on, in bed on your switch or on the toilet, wherever mm-hmm. you play your switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the private division, Twitter, yeah, toilet. Exactly. The private division, Twitter account reads along with rockstar games and 2k and social point. We're proud to be a part of take two support of COVID-19 charities affected local businesses, And all digital purchases of the Outer Worlds during the months of April and May will help contribute to those in need, or excuse me, those who need it most during these times from everyone here at Private Division. We hope our community and everyone else stays safe and healthy. So, a little bit of extra good news on top of the fact that the Outer Worlds is coming to switch. If you do buy it digitally before then on the platforms it's currently out on now, it'll go towards charitable efforts, which is awesome.
1: And we have two new game delays. Wasteland 3 has been delayed to August 28th, and Minecraft Dungeons has been delayed until May 26th. Both delays uh, due to COVID-19 issues and what arises with working from home and whatnot. Unfortunate, but again, the right call. Not a lot more to say about it, but do what you gotta do to keep those baby girls and baby boys safe. Yeah! Yeah!
0: All right, so that's going to do it for our new segment for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And later in the show, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. You know, we're going to be talking about Tiger King. You're going to want to stick around for oh that. Boy. We'll be back in just a minute. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. It's segment two where we talk about what we've been playing. And boy, oh boy, it feels like people are playing a lot of video games these days. And that's a pretty amazing thing.
1: Right, ladies? Oh, that's great. I'm on Yakuza 4. (laughs) Oh, dang. You are making some progress. I have and I am. And this is going to be the thing I talk about in the next segment. Because to me, I feel like this is a TV show that I've been watching. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: okay. <laughs> um, but before we get into what we've been playing, I want to let you know that this week's hands-on episode, hands-on segment rather, is brought to you by Oof. TakeThis.org. So we used to talk a lot about TakeThis.org in the very first year of What's Good Games. They were a fantastic partner for us. And I talked about them last week, and we're all going through some tough stuff. And if you're struggling with your mental health, we're here to remind you that it's okay To not be okay. And our friends at Take This have lots of trained professionals who are fantastic resources if you need somebody to talk to. Maybe if you just want to go to their website at TakeThis.org and look at some things. Sometimes even just looking at the online resources can make you feel a little bit better about all of the things that are happening in your life. So I just... Wanted to remind everybody that even though we are all feeling a little bit more isolated than we typically do in our day-to-day lives because of everything that's happening, you never are alone. There's always somebody out there for you. And if you need to talk to somebody, they have lots of fantastic resources over at takethis.org. So thanks to our friends at Take This for always being wonderful and reminding us that mental health is important and necessary for your overall well-being. That's all I wanted to say. Brittany, uh. Turns out there's a video game that everybody's talking about this week. It's called Resident
1: Evil Three. Oh my god! It's time! It's time, ladies! It's time to talk about this. Oh. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Okay, I mean I am, but I'm not mentally. <laughs> you, you told me you took notes on Monday. Oh, girl, no, I took literally like six or seven pages of notes. I, I mean, I'm not it, the fact that I can now talk about it. I, I feel like I'm. I don't know. what about to burst. You're not
2: emotionally prepared, I'm, is what you're saying.
1: Thank you, Samer. That's exactly you, what you, I did. You,
2: yeah, you did the prep work. But now, you know, like
1: and I talked about it a bit on the Monday show. It, it, it was so fresh. And so now I've had some time to think about it and let it ferment in my brain. So let's let's do this. Okay. Have you
2: beaten the game?
1: I've beaten it twice. Oh, Ooh. which is not saying much because it's like a it's like a six to seven hour game.
2: Uh, yeah. That's a significant amount of time to beat that twice.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Ah, Uh, yeah, but also, I mean, I probably... It gets funnier the longer you think about it. (laughs) You're right, it is. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do my Brit thing where I just start talking. Y'all just interrupt me if you're like, what the fuck? And we'll call it good. (laughs) Okay, so Resident Evil 3. So this is a remake slash more of a reimagining from the original Resident Evil 1 game from 1999. It is published by Capcom, developed by Capcom, and they also had a partner studio that helped them with this one, which is M2, which is headed by former Platinum CEO, let me look at his name, Tetsuya Minami, and it's funded by Capcom, but it also remains like a separate studio. So it's worth noting, because I'll probably tap into this later. So, for those of you unfamiliar, Resident Evil 3 is a survival horror game. It's much more action-forward than Resident Evil 2 was, where Resident Evil 2 it was mostly like, oh, you're walking around this police department for a really long time, and there's a few outside things. Resident Evil 3 is much more, and a lot of puzzles in RE2. RE3 is much more, let's shoot a lot of stuff. There are puzzles in this game, but it's not as... it's. You can tell the focus definitely wasn't on the puzzles in this one. The puzzles are very simple. They don't really require a lot of... Brain rocking, unlike the original RE three. And what's attractive about Resident Evil three, in theory, is that this game takes place in Raccoon City, and Raccoon City um, is no longer a thing in future Resident Evil titles. So this was. Hopeful- Wait, one second. What do, yeah. what do you? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I mean it's like I, I just realized. Like, do I spoil what happens at the end of RE three? Even though it's such an old game.
0: Yes, of course. The game is super old.
1: Okay, well, I'll will tell you what happens at the end of RE three, but I won't spoil. Go into like specific spoil spoilers about other things during this chat. But yeah, RE three is uh, RE three. Raccoon City is destroyed, and this is something that I think is alluded to in a lot of uh, future Resident Evil titles. So this isn't necessarily surprising, but this is just me trying to like tiptoe it around. You know? I appreciate your
0: you know inclination to be considerate, but the game is old.
1: I know, that's true. And they
0: didn't change, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't change major story beats the way that like Final Fantasy VII Remake is really doing things a little bit different narratively, correct? Would you say that's an accurate statement or inaccurate?
1: I think you have the beginning, middle, and end. It will be the same, and I think the same goes for Final Fantasy VII. I think what's interesting about these remakes is the guts of the game are dramatically different. That's so, a really
2: gross visual.
1: I know. I said guts, and I'm like, you know, not everyone is as comfortable with the word guts as I am. And I'm
3: probably just <laughs> upset. I kind of liked it.
1: Thank you, Ree. Thank you, baby girl. Okay, so the idea of Resident Evil 3 is that it follows Jill Valentine. She is a member of Stars, and she wants to get the hell out of Raccoon City, but she is currently under She's surveillance. Smart. Yeah, right. She's currently under surveillance by um, Umbrella Corporation. And if you're wondering, like, well, who the hell is Jill Valentine and how is this relevant to Resident Evil 2? Because that's the only Resident Evil game I've played. Well, Jill is friends with Chris Redfield, who we're going to get a little complicated here, who is... Claire's brother, so if you played Resident Evil 2, you knew who Claire is. She went to Raccoon City to find her brother, Chris. So Jill is friends with Chris. There's some flirtatious, and I would dare to say, sexual tension between the two of them. Ooh. Jill, ooh, mm-hmm. Jill and Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil 2 theoretically would have worked in the same building together. Star's office is on the second floor of RPD, whereas Leon's desk would have been on the first floor. And this game takes place a day before Resident Evil 2, and it takes place a day after Resident Evil 2. So if you played RE2 and you're like, well, does RE3 have anything for me story-wise? Like, yes. Like, this definitely fits in the timeline. And so, like I was saying earlier, while this game did release in 1999 and this game has been out for a while, this is much more of a reimagining than I think Resident Evil 2 was. So some of the main story, the main story beats are going to be the same because obviously like that's the universe of this game, but how things unfold... Um, there's a lot of stuff to be spoiled, so therefore I'm not going to get into specifics about that, because I feel like you should experience that for yourself. So, if, let's get into, like, I'm gonna, this is, I was telling Andrea, I, I don't know if I've ever had a harder time reviewing a game, because when you're such a fan of something, and you have such high expectations of a studio like Capcom, it's one thing, and just to review a game that you've never played before or aren't emotionally invested in is another. So I'm going to do my very best Brittany, to straddle that line. Yes.
2: Tell me the least favorite thing about this game. Your least favorite thing.
1: Too much shit was cut. Ooh. Mm. That's my number one thing, and the potential was not fully explored. But I'm going to start with I'm going to start with the pros here. So okay, here's the pros. <laughs> I just
2: I'm like, oh, start with the negative. Oh, tell me the bad uh, news yeah. first, and then get into <laughs> all the good. Is that
0: the only negative you have? Oh, no, I have. A oh, whole
1: list. okay. Okay. Ooh. I was just, oh, I'm just no. curious to
2: see like what your breakdown is.
1: Do you want to start with the positive or you want to the positive? Sure, she always does. It's me. Okay. I always want to, you know, hmm. <laughs> okay. So if survival horror isn't your thing, I will say that the assist mode is a mode that's very accessible. Um, from like baby ass baby baby mode. ass baby mode it's accessible from a from a like aim assist you know the enemies are a lot weaker i did two runs one on ass, one on assist and one on standard assist mode in my personal opinion is way too easy uh you get way I, by the end of the game i had so much healing items and ammo that i'm like i, I don't know what to do with all of this shit and by the end of my standard run, I was really scraping by. So I guess it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. So if you're looking for kind of a breezy experience where you just want to experience a story, do assisted. If you really wanna, you know, utilize those survival horror instincts, go with standard. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to Steve Sailor, the blind gamer. Is it Sailor or Sailor? Sailor. Sailor. Sorry, friend, I love you so much. He did a great video on the like legitimate accessibility issues you know with being able to like see and read and all that stuff that you should check out his YouTube channel and I will link it in the YouTube description when I post this video okay yeah Steve he's great So pros, Uh, what this game did well, I think what they expanded on was really great. And again, I'm not going to get into too many nitty gritty details because that's going to have to go to a spoiler cast, which we have to fucking do, or I'm just going to do my own video where I just ramble by myself for probably 35 minutes. I think you should. No, you know, we
0: got to just call our friend, Jake Baldino, see what Huber is up to. We got to get the three of you on together. You can do a spoiler cast. I'll help you arrange it.
1: Okay, great. We'll get it done we'll do it. So I think with the existing characters, we have Jill, Carlos, Nikolai, Tyrell. I think they took those characters and really gave them a lot of personality and a lot of oomph, if you will. Jill was a very boring character up until this remake. She didn't have much of a personality. She was very like, Oh no! Oh oh, drat! Like she, she didn't have an accent. I don't know what that was all. So about. I was like she had an accent? <laughs> no, done. not at all. Oh, she was, no. like, that's how boring she
2: was. She didn't even have an accent.
1: I had to give her one in my mind. It was a way of me coping. Yeah, like she just wasn't. She wasn't great. Like while she was a badass, she just had no personality. So what's the pe- personality of a wet noodle? I don't know if that's the but I'm going to use it, it. Is great. Uh, Yeah, so, but in this game, she definitely is a lot more, she definitely has has an assertive personality. She has the kind of personality I would have assumed she would have had all along. She doesn't take any shit. She's strong. She's an independent woman. She's a badass. She's very good. Very good. I really like Jill. I think also what they did with Carlos and their chemistry was great. So, in that regard, Capcom did an awesome job. The voice acting is I have nothing negative to say about it, and I think what they did with Raccoon City as a whole, the parts that you do get to see in Raccoon City are – you know, it's thrilling as a fan to see the city in a way that I don't think any of us ever thought we'd be able to see because this is the last game in the timeline before it's just blown to bits. So it's kind of like, okay, so what did that look like right before the shit literally hit the fan? Um, Like I was saying earlier, a lot has changed in this game. Some of the pivotal moments have changed. The fates of characters. Um, You learn how some characters live. You learn how some characters die. And some characters have completely different outcomes. And that's uh, also very interesting. And if you played Resident Evil 2, you're going to appreciate some of the references that you see in this as well. There are some awesome throwbacks to Resident Evil 3, not only with the soundtrack, but also with some dialogue options. And I can't say any more because that would go into spoiler territory. Nemesis is a fucking beast. Stay far away from him. He will rip you a new <laughs> asshole. As- Even on assist mode? Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad. Like, you definitely can take a few more hits from him. But the fact that he can run and he can somehow jump and, like, seemingly te- teleport, which some people have an issue with, but I'm kind of like, well, whatever. It's a video he, game. he, like,
2: night crawlers at you?
1: I don't know what that means. Simon. Oh shit! Oh, right. like other so, yeah, X-Men he, like,
2: is a mutant ahead, from cyber. X-Men and he can teleport. So, huh. <laughs>
0: just
1: oh, the blue guy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sure. He can. He can nightcrawler your Wait, ass. Brittany, <laughs> have you never seen X-Men? I have, but. <laughs> didn't retain i that.
2: have period end of sentence this Moving is like this on. is the
1: problem with me in <laughs> movies unless it's clueless or kung pao or rush hour or austin powers i don't remember anything that happens or the ring it's we'll silent. work on that they're you judging work on me that. they're totally judging me right now it's fine no I, and, go
2: for it just keep continue your
1: story okay okay i'm still going so <laughs> It's also very creepy. The atmosphere of this game, my eyes watered on more than one occasion. And what that means is I'm terrified when I get scared my eyes water. It's a thing. Oh, not happens. like
3: a sadness, like a like a despair and like you're really connecting with the loss.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's a, a different way of looking at it. It's just, no, it's like a literal like I am so freaked out. My eyes are watering. So that's are a
2: you sure sign. you're it's not because you stare like intensely at the terrifying thing. And so your eyes are so <laughs> wide open that they're watering because they're drying out.
1: That's a very that's a logical explanation. But no, it's mostly when I was walking through an empty corridor and it was all like the music and the shadows and the creaking. And it's like, oh, this is fucking intense. Mm. Um and I mean oh. it looks it, it runs well obviously on Xbox there's a few frame issues that I'm assuming are going to be fixed with a patch um, and the the issues are mostly zombies like way off in the distance when they're shuffling around it kind of looks like they're doing some like robot dance cuz the frames are like not great Maybe
2: they
0: are dancing
1: They could they could be the secret dancing zombies of Raccoon City the D virus the D virus yeah. if you will mm-hmm. I want
0: to see that mod make it happen the I, I mod, put, yeah. Like, <laughs> put the mask on them and make them look like
1: animatronics oh god (laughs) okay um okay so like again it's a great survival horror game it looks great it's an expansion on resident evil 3 they do some things really great like in terms of character development and and what they how they took all of that and kind of flipped it on its ass and did something new with it cool i appreciate it okay so issues um this game okay one I had to cut a lot of my issues down because I can't go into them without spoiling anything, but the ones I can not talk about. One is this game could have benefited from an intro. Resident Evil 2 didn't need one because you are Claire and Leon and you are going into this new city, so you're kind of experiencing the story from their perspective. So it's okay if you don't totally understand the backstory or the lore or whatever's happening. But with Resident Evil 2, it opens in a way that I three. feel like... Three, thank you. It opens in a way that I feel like doesn't... I don't know if it would make a lot of sense if you've never stepped foot into this game before. And it could have greatly benefited from uh, like an introduction, like a recap scene maybe of who Jill is and who some of these characters are that you're going to hear about and or talk about. Or maybe even a prologue that shows you how she got to where she is. Because, you know, she just wakes up in her apartment and she's like, I can't wait to leave Raccoon City it's like, well, okay, why are you waiting for three days? It's like, why, like, why have you been waiting for the? It's a whole thing. Like, I shouldn't say anymore. But it, none of it's explained in a way that makes a lot of sense. And Simon, I was thinking about you a lot. Because I remember when you played Resident Evil 2, you had a lot of issues with the story just not making sense. You're like, why would you do this? What's, I, I mean, I don't remember. I have what.
2: the logic problem where I'm like, yeah. I w- why would you do that? You wouldn't do that. You would do the other thing. It's, it's like, that's one of my problem with horror in general You have to really, like, put on your non-logical hat and, like, just roll with it. And I have a really hard time doing that.
1: Yeah. No, and I didn't have that issue so much in RE2. Um, Maybe that's because i have just blended by fangirlism. But in RE3, I definitely had a lot of those issues arise where I'm like, well, the logic in that doesn't make any sense. And not just with the opening, but with certain areas of the game and how certain events unfold, it just really kind of broke the immersion. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I feel like this game was, and I don't know if this was or not, but this is the feeling I get. I feel like it was a little bit rushed and that wouldn't be too surprising because of the stuff that had been cut from it and how you don't get to see as much of the city as I think a lot of us had hoped. I, I tweeted, like I hope this had been the, what was going to be the ultimate raccoon city romp. And it definitely wasn't that it, had a few cool streets that you got to explore, and a few maybe like three or four optional buildings in the entire game that you got to go in and look around, and that was maybe buildings that aren't that exciting. Like there's nothing really cool to discover in there except for a few items. So, I think what a lot of us had been hoping for is seeing what they did with Resident Evil 2. That is that they're going to take Resident Evil 3 and really expand on it outside of the characters and. And really show a glimpse into Raccoon City. And it's, we saw that a little bit, but definitely not to the extent that I had hoped. And I think a lot of people felt the same. And um, like I said earlier, some pivotal moments and some iconic areas and, and boss fights that I think should have been included were not included. And it's not so much of like, okay, well, we're going to take this part out and we're going to add something in its place. It was more of a, well, we're just going to kind of take this part out and just move forward and just skip this entire section or move past this, this or just you know speed the story through like let's let's keep it moving but it felt like exploration exploration okay linear we're sprinting to the end so it didn't it just it just, uh. so it when they were name. rearranging the guts but, they cut out
0: some <laughs> sections of the intestine you're like yeah you're missing like a pancreas or something right <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and I so yeah.
0: Question for you: Um, Yes, did you feel that Resident Evil 2 remake cut big sections or had similar cuts that were noticeable, or is this just unique to Resident Evil 3 remake?
1: I'm 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 trying to like take my brain back a, a year. To Resident Evil 2, but I don't ever remember having that complaint. I feel like if something was cut from RE2, it was more than made up for. You know, we had the addition of the orphanage, which is a whole new thing. We had the nest or the umbrella lab down, you know, toward the end of that game. And those while those things more or less existed in the original games, I feel like they were, the orphanage was a brand new thing. But um, I feel like the areas we did get were greatly expanded on, and while a lot of it was kind of like, okay, well, we're going to take this part and we're going to recreate that exactly. It had a certain charm to it that made it feel like it just wasn't, like it wasn't them cutting corners. It was them actually like taking the care and time to recreate it in a way that was meaningful. Um, and yeah, in RE3, it just it just felt like too much was was cut and we weren't given... We weren't given that... It wasn't given the same sort of TLC that RE2 was given. Hmm. If I can explain... Yeah. I, it, it's, again, it's it's hard to it's really... It's weird. Like,
0: why... I, I just keep asking, like, why would they do that? Like, there was no... There was nothing from anybody, unless, unless it was, like, an internal pressure, which, you know, happens, but, like, it it felt like it didn't need to happen this year. Like, they could have even pushed RE3 Remake to fall. They could have pushed RE3 Remake to next year. It's like, why this rush to get it out at the sacrifice of, you know, the whole point of remaking something?
1: Yeah, I don't... From what I've heard, development was smooth, that the team was happy with the game but I guess, like, what does that mean? Like, what were the circumstances? If it was, hey, you don't have a lot of time, like, push this game out? I mean, yeah, it's it's still, like, that's what I'm telling everyone, it's a great game. It's a great survival horror title, and it's a good Resident Evil game. I mean, I would even say, dare I say, great Resident Evil game. It's just knowing the potential that that Capcom has, and seeing what they did last year, how they killed it with, you know, Devil May Cry, and Resident Evil 2, and Monster Hunter, I think, you know, expectations of that company, they're, they're just high, and that's more or less the reaction i'm also seeing from um, fellow people in the industry is that it just misses the mark it's good but it's not good as re2 remake and obviously re2 remake is a hard act to follow but i think it just they just didn't take the potential that was there not to mention in re3 there are a lot of um reused assets and i know on the monday show i talked about like the silly plant that i swear is in every freaking level of that game there's like a single like I don't know what kind of plant it is. It looks like a palm plant, but it, it's there. But in RE3, you know, like... A po- a palm plant? Like, like, you know, not like a palm tree, but they're like, they're called little palm plants. and They have like the little green leaves and they're like little, I don't know what they're called. Like a baby palm tree. Yeah, sure, but... It's not like the fanning leaves. It's like a I don't know. I'm not a. Are you thinking of like
0: a fern, like a cypress? No. no,
1: no. It has like it has like the the pale like stalk with like the cool little ridges and like the fanning leaves, but it's not like a huge like. And has like eight stalks at once in it. I mean, I can't unsee this thing. I can. It. Hmm.
0: It's a plant. Draw <laughs> us a picture.
1: I'll draw you a picture. Where's Microsoft Paint when you need it? I'll do it for you. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like in every freaking room in the game, and i'm like that's way too much. Even I'm noticing it. it anyway, so in RE three, you know there are assets that are reused from RE two, not just plants, but also levels, and that also normally I think would be okay. But in my mind, it's like well if this chunk of the game is using RE2 assets, how much did you really create for the new game? Instead of taking something from RE2 and putting conveniently placed trash bags in front of a door, oh, now suddenly you can't go in there. Is that making sense? You know, it's... I'm trying not to spoil it, but anyway. No, it's okay. I
0: think you don't need to, you know, further explain, you know, your frustration with it. I think we've gotten the idea that it was a little bit... (laughs) lacking in areas that you had expectations that they weren't. And I think that that's a very fair. I think that you look at Resident Evil 2 remake and how critically acclaimed it was and such an excellent job Capcom did with it. And they set their own bar. And like I said earlier, there was no reason for them to not take the time and the care to do the exact same amount of work for re3 first off nobody asked for re3 remake everybody was just happy to get re2 i think there was a subset of the community that were you know secretly hoping that Uh, you know capcom would look
1: for the remake yeah um
0: right but like i mean but when when you ask for a remake uh, another one after one has done so well i mean i think the expectation then has been set right that Oh well, you did it this way. Clearly, the next one's going to be just as good, if not better, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a bummer when it's not. I mean, I don't want to like compare it to like a sophomore album because this is not the same kind of comparison case whatsoever. But it just feels like it is like rushed, right? But like, let's not dwell on what you didn't like about it. Let's dwell on what you did like about it, Brittany.
1: I already talked about that in the beginning, Andrea. The happy moment is long gone. I I was trying to figure (laughs) out how we could get back to a happy moment. I did that for you, Cyber. I did that for you. So no, just to kind of like tie this all up, like I'll say it again, I think this is a fantastic survival horror game. I think you will shit your pants. I think Nemesis is terrifying. It's a very, very polished experience, minus the one little bug with the frames that i had in on my xbox version i think what they've explored and expanded upon in terms of characters and character development is fantastic i just think just go in this with proper expectations if you are a hardcore resident evil fan you're gonna find a lot of things that make you really really excited and you're gonna do the thing where you're sitting by yourself in a big room or maybe this is just me We're you're like oh shit out loud with no one around you and you're gonna find things where you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. That's disappointing. Is this really the end of it? Um, it is okay. Well, for what it was, it was fun. But they could have done this, this, and this, and that better. That's what I'll say about it.
0: Okay. So overall, though, thumbs up.
1: Yeah, of, of course. Like, I it, think, it, again, great game. It's just you know, it's hard. This is why I've struggled. I'm such a fan. I know what Capcom can do. I know all the things that were cut and skipped in in corners and. That's why I think it's it's hard for me, but I think if you aren't if you're, you know, not if you're not familiar with this franchise, you might not know the difference. I think what you will pick up on though is how it gets pretty linear pretty quick. And you're like, "Oh, that was weird. Or why are there garbage bags blocking this path? I guess I can't go that way." When it's, you know, you should be able to go that way, but oh no, they didn't build the level in. Anyway. That's well, it. Well, so would
0: you say that To cap it off, you were glad that you played.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. I I think that's all we wanted. She's just upset
2: that the guts are a little mangled, more mangled than she wanted them to be.
1: I like the mangled guts because as a fresh perspective, I don't like the guts that were missing. I need Mm. my pancreas. I need my lung, you know?
2: More guts. A lung isn't there. That, that's when important. I think of guts, I think of digestive tract. Too, not, not, I, not all internal organs. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, like that's lungs, fair. You know. I don't know. It's a good game. Um, you should play it. It's fun. Just go in with proper expectations is all I would say.
0: Okay. All right. So if you guys want to watch again, me play some Resident Evil. If you just needed a little bit more convincing about how terrifying this game is, (laughs) twitch.tv slash what's good games is the place to catch that gameplay. Um, But a game that Rihanna and I have checked out recently, and I'm so glad that you got me back into this game, is the new update for Rainbow Six Siege. So, Rhi, tell me about how you got into Rainbow Six in the first place. Absolutely. So, Rainbow Six just recently... Released, I guess, was like year five of their content, season five? Yes. Um, Year five is what was happening. Uh, So Operation Void... Edge is the name of the new update. Let me just read the little blurb from Ubisoft. Yes. Uh, Things are starting to change, and Operation Void Edge is sure to throw you for a loop. Two operators, as different from each other as they can be, join Harry's roster and bring them talents that stand at polar opposites. Iana is the brain and technology, while Oryx knows the raw power uh, that the human body can carry. Many novelties are coming with this unique season, with a rework to the Oregon map and a very special Elite set. And uh, let me just quickly uh, talk about those operators. So Iana is an attacker. Uh, her unique ability is the Gemini replicator, where she essentially makes a clone of herself or a hologram. Uh, we'll talk more about that. And then Oryx, who is on the defender side is just, like, this super crazy powerful guy that has this, like, hyper dash. They write, doesn't need any fancy gadgets to hold his own. His body is all the power and utility he needs. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh. the, the Rema dash, I think is what it's called, the, is his signature moves. And it basically allows him to, like, sprint faster than any other operator in the game. And he can jump up between levels so if you have like an opening and a ceiling he can jump up and pull himself to the second level which is crazy no other operators can do that either so that's kind of exciting he's like the terminator so, yeah like he's like physically there's no other operators that can do these things so it's really interesting that they brought this into the mix with how many o- other operators that they have so uh back to you rihanna yeah
3: so i've been playing some siege recently with some friends and also i got a couple of games in with andrea earlier today and i gotta say these new operators are really breathing new life into the franchise it, it's it's fun to revisit siege in general after playing plunder specifically in call of duty Warzone, because siege really is the whole like i'm gonna set up this encounter i'm waiting for people to attack me i'm going to take them out or vice versa. There's people who are setting up their little encounter. We're going to go penetrate them and we're going to take them over. And That's a something about it just feels so good to come back to. Um, it's been a while since I played Siege, but I've recently gotten into some new games over the past weekend and then yesterday and today. And the new operators are perfect for that. Like, I have not personally played. Um, with <laughs> our new Jordanian hero. But I've played with Yana, and the Gemini drone is really cool. Like, So how it works is you set up a doppelganger of yourself, essentially, and you send it out. It can go anywhere you would go. It can climb through windows. It can go through doorways and then find people. And it gives you a chance to scout out what the defenders are doing. And if you're on comms, it becomes... Really, really powerful, because you can say, hey, somebody's on the right side, they're laying on the ground, they're hiding right next to the bomb, if you run in there and throw a flash grenade, you got it, like, that. that's all you. And, I don't know, something about the team interactions in Siege is just different from any other game, because you really do have this immediate tactical advantage when you're, you're in a full squad, and you feel very powerful and in control and obviously right now a lot of us aren't feeling very in control because the world is crazy and it's really nice to jump into a game that lets you have all of these different options with these different operators and and to play your own game and to tailor your experience to the way that you want to um have it and i don't know like earlier today when we were playing there was even times when andrea would just jump in with her operator and she was playing yana at one point and she found somebody and then after Her drone was taken out. She ran in and then actually killed the person. I was like, "Oh my god, yes, you did it!" Like she knew everything she needed to know. And I don't know. It's it's something that's just really, really refreshing after playing all of these different types of games, like um, in in Warzone and even in Animal Crossing, when you're just kind of passively experiencing gameplay. To really take control in Siege, and
0: it's been a while since we've been able to do that. And I'm looking forward
3: to more games.
0: Yeah, that's something I think the player base has really loved about Rainbow Six Siege. And just as like a refresher for people who are like, oh, God, I, re- I recognize the name of that game, but I don't know what it is. So it's a 5v5 squad-based tactical shooter, first-person shooter, and it's obviously set in the Tom Clancy universe, and Rainbow Six has been around for a really long time. Uh, the crazy part about the story of Rainbow Six Siege as a game is that It has continued to grow year over year. And Ubisoft announced, uh, I believe just last month, that they have hit over 55 million registered players in Rainbow Six, which is crazy, the legs that this game has had. And we're in year five now of of Rainbow Six. And I agree with you, Rihanna. I think that the reason why this game clearly is continuing to be successful is that it scratches that itch of PvP shooters that really feels like you have to have some strategy besides just running around and spraying prey. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it works. There was a couple really sloppy kills that I got when we were playing together, but, yo, a W is a W, Okay. But I, I love that the team at Ubisoft and the team that's making Rainbow Six has really paid attention to what the community wants, has really you know committed to investing in the professional esports community around Rainbow Six Siege as well, and saying, hey, we have people that really love these characters and want to keep making more of that, uh, which is great. And there's so much more diversity among the operators now than there used to be. They have... Like operators of all different shapes and sizes now, which is something that you don't really get to see a lot. I love that more publishers are making an effort to be diverse, not just in the gameplay style of the characters, but also in the physicality and the visual representation of what these operators and characters, heroes, champions, whatever your game of choice is, and what they look like. And because it's a Tom Clancy game, obviously it's set, you know, it looks real, and it's set in real world. So it was fun because we got to play together and you are so right when you say that it makes such a big difference when you're playing in a crew that communicates on, on comms. But boy, oh boy, did I have a very stereotypical experience when I dropped in for my very first match. So before we were able to party up, Literally, this is my first match back. Installed this giant patch, and I spent a bunch of time going through some of the operators that I hadn't really played with yet, and changing my loadouts, you know, putting all my skins and my charms on. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to solo queue into some quick play. Oh, boy. <laughs> Why not? Let's just give it a go. What? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> first game I get dropped into... Somebody, you know, you can see like the the noise icon come on. Somebody gets on comms and is like, "Hey, is anybody else on comms?" And I'm like, "Oh gosh, this person is definitely like ten years old. Oh, no, <laughs> can't even can't even tell w- w- it, what kind of a person they are. Just know that they're prepubescent." And I was like, "Okay, cool." Uh, I was like, "Whatever. I'm just gonna stay silent for now." <laughs> and then another person, "Hey man, what's going on?" I was like, "Oh no, there's two of them that are, that are children. Why <laughs> are the multiplying. children planes?" <laughs> Why are there children playing this game? And then the next thing was, oh, are you a girl? And I was like, no, really? Is that oh, really, like, still happening? Wow. Is that, like, the first thing? And I was really, like, bummed. But also I was like, oh, well, these 10-year-olds clearly just don't know what they're doing wrong. <laughs> so then I came off mute on my, on my mic and I said, hey, I'm a girl. You want to talk about it? <gasps> Oh. And then they were like they were like oh there is a girl see i told you there was a girl then i went back on mute and said nothing for the rest of the match cuz then they proceeded to like have some inside joke about their entrance music and exit music and like they kept saying it's a virus it's a virus and i'm like is this some like teenage like meme on tiktok uh, that i don't understand it even mean? I don't, I don't know. know. But uh. they kept yelling it, so I had to, like, mute them. And I was just like, oh, oh God. It right. like, this is like the, like the dark side changed. of Rainbow Six.
1: <laughs> a lot has changed, it sounds like, in the online areas.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's just interesting because when Brittany and I were at Dice earlier this year, which feels like a a lifetime ago, um, Ammunition, who was a very popular Twitch streamer for Rainbow Six Siege, was talking about the work that she did with the Ubisoft team who makes this game about why it was important for her to work with them on really overhauling the chat and mute options in group settings. Because she was like, listen, like, I'm a female player who's really good at a shooter and I get shit for it all the time. As any woman who plays in competitive PV games will tell you, you get shit online when you're on comms. And in a game like Rainbow Six, it, like it's helpful even if you're playing with strangers to be have your comms open so you can like help your teammates. And a lot of women who play Rainbow Six don't want to because it can be a very toxic place. Rainbow Six has historically had one of the more toxic PVP communities and it's really disappointing, but I am really was happy to hear... Um, her talk about the work that she did as one of the biggest streamers and content creators in the Rainbow Six community to say, hey, like, I want you guys to help build protections for people like me in place who want to play as much of this game as possible because I love this game. This game is amazing. But like, maybe allow me to mute individual people in my squad instead of either muting the entire squad or muting nobody. And that was a feature that they added because she worked with the team and said, this is important to me. I thought that was awesome. So, shout out to Ammunition. Yeah, they've made a lot of really great
3: changes. They've made some adjustments to Clash. Um, That is the operator that has a taser-lined shield that is very difficult to penetrate. Yes, I said penetrate. Mm -hmm. They've also made some changes to the way that the drones spawn when you're trying to scout out the, the enemy's position as the attacking team. So, I feel like they've done a really great job of listening to the community and, like, pain points and things that we've really found challenging and barriers to enjoying the game the way we want to and uh, honestly I applaud everything that they've been doing with these updates they've been fantastic Mm.
1: so how did yeah so we're gonna play more Andrea I gotta know
0: Oh, oh no, they were terrible. Oh. And he kept saying <laughs> yeah. the whole time, gosh, I'm so bad at this game, man. I'm so terrible at this game. And then he was like, Hey guys, want to like continue as a party until the next match? And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. That'll be a hard pass for me. Junior. <laughs> junior. No. Hmm. Also like, why are you playing this game? But like, where are the parents? <laughs> Probably frantically trying to do a Zoom call. And oh, you being online. You're not, you're not wrong.
2: You're not wrong. <laughs>
0: you being online is fucking up the bandwidth at their house. And they're like, oh, you're so blurry.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Too, Too real, real, Andrea. Too, Too real. real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're just like, turn on the box thingy and leave me alone. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love Rainbow Six. So, Re, uh, thank you so much for you know, kind of giving me the motivation to get back in. Um, I've just been feeling a little flat on some of the other PvP shooters like Destiny, even though I'm so grateful that the the team at DCP Live finally had me on the show. If you guys missed my episode last week, uh please do go check it out. They are a great, great group of folks over there at the Destiny Community Podcast, and I had such a fun time talking with them, but every time I log in, I just, I'm having trouble, like, keeping my focus, and so it's been nice to, like, get like a breath of fresh air in a in a different PvP scene. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about with Rainbow Six or should we play more and just talk about it some other time? I think we should play more and talk about it some other
3: time. Maybe some people can tune in to us playing.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, we're going to stream. So um, I don't know when. It's either going to be today, the day the podcast comes out, potentially over the weekend, but Re and I are going to stream some Rainbow Six. So if you guys are in and you're playing and you're caught up in your current, and you want to you know, squat up with us, um, just tweet to me at Andrea Renee or tweet to Rihanna at, at Rihanna tweets now. Let us know and we can hopefully um, some, you know, take down some fools. Yeah. Take down these kids. Yeah. Stimer, hmm. You're playing the game that literally everybody in my Twitter feed is playing right now. I cannot <laughs> get away from this. So I'm in this place, Steimer, where I, on one hand, want to mute Animal Crossing on Twitter so I never have to see posts about it and then on the other hand I'm like on the precipice of buying it join us
2: I mean the Twitter I think all of the Animal Crossing Twitter stuff is hilarious I love it I want more of it please keep making stupid content Um, because it also like my island will never look like that I know this. <laughs> I know my limits in life, and that is one of them. <laughs> and I i mean, when I'm playing Animal Crossing, I'm not. I, so I try. I one day try. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the Tarantula Island. So basically, like, one of the things you can try and do, you like, not, you chop down all the trees, you like pick all the flowers. I don't know. You dump that all that shit on the ground. I don't fucking know. I was just trying to get spiders to spawn because they're worth oh. so much money. Oh, what so you do? You it it's so good. It's so good. Oh my gosh. When I, it happens, but it's I the got, best thing ever super impatient and i had one spider spawn and i caught it and then i waited and i waited and i waited and no more spiders were spawning and i was like fuck this i want to go to bed (laughs) so i turned it off and went to sleep but like i so that's the problem is like i have a little bit of patience but i don't have a lot i don't have a lot man And so that's, I think, what you really need if you want to super min-max the game, which I don't really care about doing. So it's fine for me. I'm just in there every day picking the fruit that needs to be picked, like catching some fish if I feel like it, going around. If there's a butterfly that's worth money, I'll catch it. Like, I'm just chilling and living life in Animal Crossing, and that's how I want to play that game. And yes, it means that my house is not very impressive, nor is my island. But you know what? It's mine, and I'll take it.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah! No, you should see my house. I just have random shit everywhere. I have a hat hanging on the wall. I have a clock. I have a car bed. I have a hammock. I have a random. So it's like your real house, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Car bed and all. A car bed and all. said, Yeah, no, I'm with you, Cyber. I, I someday. So but every day I go to Nook's Cranny and I try to buy things that I think would look good in like a Resident Evil atmosphere because I want to turn my <laughs> island into a zombie infested nightmare. Yeah, that sounds correct. Can right. you do that in Animal Crossing? I think what you can... Someone did create uh, Raccoon City, and someone actually just created um, Link to the Past Hyrule, which is pretty amazing. But I think what I'd have to do to get all the assets I need is download them from whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but I have like a spooky candle that I bought. I have a... What's called a homework set, because it looks like scattered paper, and in Resident Evil you see a lot of scattered paper. Oh, smart!
2: Yeah, yeah. Animal Crossing is really customizable, so you can make a surprising amount of shit in it. Yeah. Um, again, I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I could care, but I don't care. Like, so I get. That's why I love seeing it on Twitter. I love it. Like, show me your badass shit that I will never make. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So on the Monday show, Andrea said that she is thinking about getting Animal Crossing, thinking about playing it. And I have. The- I
0: don't think you would enjoy it. So John, John that's what John has been saying too. So John and I are never wrong. So (laughs) (laughs) he was like, he's like, you're gonna hate this game. Don't waste your time. So um, it's just been. It was a. It was a the weekend where I decided where I was thinking about it was because I put like three different games on, and nothing was really. Nothing was really clicking. It was because you know it was a really hard weekend. You know, mm-hmm. cause we, yeah. you know, we lost, we lost ghosts and it was really hard. And so I was like, I need something that's like Brittany says is like the, the chicken soup for the soul kind of game. I need like a comfort food game. I need something that's not stressful, like doom and not like super brain power intensive, like going through my vault and destiny. And I just, I needed something that was easy and cutesy and was like something I could just kind of mindlessly do. So I was like, everybody's talking about animal crossing. Maybe, maybe this is the time. Maybe I just give in and just do it and just maybe make my character look cute because we had Anthony Carboni come, come by last week and he and I were streaming his island in Animal Crossing and we went to go visit our friend anne and her island is Ugh. phenomenal. Oh, like, yeah. It's it's the best island I've literally ever seen. And I feel like I've seen everybody's island in my Twitter feed all day long. And so I was like, gosh, I really do like customization in games. And that's literally like Animal Crossing the game is just customizing everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, maybe it's the time. And then I brought it up again. And John's like, no. Like, he's like, listen, I'm not going to stop you. If you want to buy this game, buy it and you know have some fun because uh, the code that Nintendo provided me I gave to Rihanna because I was like listen I'm never going to play this game Rihanna you should play and, and and live your best animal crossing life so thank you again to Nintendo for providing codes but then I was like I don't mind buying it but then he's like you're going you're just gonna, you're going to play it for like a couple of hours and you're going to hate it so I haven't yet so I'm on the I'm on the I mean why don't still. you just play John's for like a couple of hours and then if you like it you can buy it yeah but then I had to play as John's character
3: well, here's the thing. I think you would like it because <laughs> also, Animal Crossing is very similar to a Harvest Moon or a Stardew. But where she like, doesn't like those games. But you like choose your own end game, right? Like your end game could be the best outfits, or the coolest cross-beaded, breeded flowers, or the you know, like the dopest island layout when you terraform things. Like you can choose your own wind condition in Animal Crossing, and that's kind of what makes it magical.
1: It's interesting that
0: you say that because Brittany was talking about how there is no real like point like in not to like be reductive, but like the idea of most video games have like a beginning, middle and an end. Right. They're like you have an objective and then you beat the game. You roll the credits and you're done. Like what is the like roll credits moment in Animal Crossing? Your best outfit.
1: I'm just laughing because you're. I'm laughing because Maverick
2: Mav. is in the back and he's.
1: <laughs> oh, he is! <laughs> oh, he's. He's just been walking around Aww. for a
0: few minutes
1: now. <laughs> I had he's so I had chill to
0: him. he's like he's you know, he's real sad right now, so he, yeah. he needs a little extra attention. Oh look yeah. how poor Lee
1: is. What a good boy. He he's He's so
0: officially cute. on a diet now though. Oh baby. Boy.
1: Oh, yes. okay. I still give him lots of treats when I see him in like September. Yes. I'll just reduce
0: <laughs> I'll just reduce his dry food when you come by so you can give him more treats.
1: Perfect. But yeah, I think you know, the fact that you're still talking about it a few days later, I think you should at least try it so you know if it's not for you, you can say definitively, it is not for me. And then you can, you know, stop talking about it and you can move on and use your brain power toward other things in life, like Destiny and Rainbow Six and The Division. And I don't know what else. Yeah,
0: The Division's so good right mm, now, it. too. Mono-orphan. We even talked about that. But, um, so Steimer, I'm curious before we wrap up this conversation about, uh, Animal Crossing, do you have what, you know, kind of basing this off what Rihanna's talking about, like what your personal end game is, what would be Steimer's like Animal Crossing end game?
2: Oh, I don't even have one. I like, she's correct in that you can choose your own or you can just choose to not have one also is another acceptable option. And I really just log into it every day and wander around. And see what's going on. And then I log out. Like sometimes I'm on for five minutes. And sometimes I'm on for five hours. Like it's one or the other. <laughs> with this game. And I, I like that sort of freedom. And I actually need to log in tonight. And get my, my nook miles. That's what I go up for every, every day. Same. I get my, get my nook the ABD? miles. Get the <laughs> ABD. And then I move on. I think the one thing I might. be I might like want to kick some ugly neighbors out. And like get the cutest neighbors I can. That might I've be heard my about end game. Some neighbors really suck That's That's to totally get them to fair. move. Mm. Yeah, so my first neighbor I'm fine with. She's a squirrel and I think it's hilarious because I call people squirrels all the time. And so I was like, "Hey, Animal Crossing well played. Cool. Got this really cute little squirrel. Neat." Second one is a hen. She's okay. I don't know about her. She may need to go. <laughs> and then <laughs> The third I have actually, oh, I really kind of want to log on and see who it is. The third one's moving in today. I don't know who. I don't know who it's gonna be. So we'll we'll take a gander oh. later, and I'll I'll, let, I'll keep you posted. But I'm not gonna be one of those people. Although I do think I find it hilarious the Twitter things of like people hitting their residents like with the net over and over again, trying to get them to leave.
1: <laughs> oh, you can do that.
2: No. So apparently, the only way to get them to go away is to not talk to them for a week. And then I think they ask or something, like, do you want oh, me to just go? Sad. And you're like, yeah, get the fuck out. Oh, you wow. You just ghost
3: them. <laughs> you ghost them that's until
0: like they're like, so do harsh. you like me? <laughs> that's, like, I totally
2: mean, harsh. I mean, is it, though? Because people ghost me for longer than a week. And then they pop Way that harder and they're tight. like, hey.
1: <laughs> oh, that's not good.
2: And then you're like, lol, no.
1: <laughs> I have that one bear. I'm trying to look up through my Twitter account so I can find the name of her. Oh, Paula. And what's terrifying about Paula is... Wait, when it's a bear named Paula? It's a bear named Paula, yes. <gasps> Animal and, Crossing, everybody. And when I play, I typically, I log in at night, like, as I'm laying in bed. And the silhouette of her and, like, the brief, like, little light you get off of her, she looks like Freddy Fosbear from Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> And That's terrifying. I, I saved a clip of it because it legit but, freaked me out. But you love
2: scary shit at night.
1: I don't love Freddie.
0: what you're picking and choosing now oh absolutely fuck that
1: i don't play that game that the animatronic bear can go fuck off sorry that's a lot of f-bombs i just don't like him we're for children but this is a game for children or a show for children now is it true if you don't log into your island after a certain amount of time like all the weeds grow back and people leave
2: i don't know if they leave they might be it might be the thing where you log on and then they are like hey what the fuck I yeah. think they're just oh, disgruntled and they're unhappy. I think, but I don't think they automatically are all gone. Weeds. I do think the weeds grow back. That would make sense.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I, I was thinking about logging into my new leaf save, but it's been two years, and so I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm a little. Bit I it's gonna be about a that. trash fire over there. Below.
2: Don't go. <laughs> yeah, don't no, don't go there. No,
1: leave that alone. All
0: right, should we move along to Tiger King Land?
1: Oh, God. Yes,
0: so um, we are going to take one more quick break so I can go dump this cat with his dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been watching because a lot of us have been watching a lot of things. And let's be clear, I think I just need a place to talk about Tiger King. I mean. uh, stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. I'm just lotioning oh, anyway. my hands. Can you hear those sounds? Oh goodness! Oh wait, what? are you doing hand farts? <laughs> that's what's happening right now. I'm not good at them. <laughs> I don't know. If I, don't know I don't. I don't know if I can do hand. I don't know if I can do hand farts. It's I hard. Got nothing. I got nothing. It's just like a puff of air. It's, it's not, air not like, a fart. like I am not partaking in this hand fart shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good.
1: I, can, I can't even get a little squeaker out. Dang! I'm just trying to oh, crack wait, my wait, back. Wait.
0: You got something. Oh, oh, ah, that's pretty ah, good. I, I, heard a a <laughs> I heard a puff. I heard a puff. It doesn't sound like farts. It <laughs> sounds like, like sex butt slapping. <laughs> it's just a bunch of queefs. <laughs> oh,
1: no. Okay, I'll work on my, my hand farts.
0: Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. This is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. And listen, I just want to let you know, sometimes when we're on breaks, <laughs> we do things like try to attempt to make fart sounds with our hands. And it's amusing. Just... Just as an FYI, Stimer, of course, sat in judgment, as she does. But sometimes I, I participate and sometimes <laughs> I don't.
2: It all depends on the day.
1: It's I thought true. I was making a farting sound. And then Andrea <laughs> Renee had a very, very vulgar description of what she thought my hand fart sounded like. It sounded which like won't something we will say, else.
2: because this is a podcast for children. <laughs>
1: right. We are a podcast for children. <laughs> Allegedly. It sounded like the slap of epidermis.
0: Yes. Yes, Skin it did. Flaps. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Skin That's it. Um, so we decided to use this week's third segment to talk about what we've been watching. So a long time ago, we decided to add a "What are you watching?" channel in the Discord. By the way, if you didn't know that, What's Good Games has a Discord. Discord.gg/What's Good Games. There's a whole channel there for people to talk about stuff. And in fact, I believe we have a Netflix specific <laughs> channel um, because there's so much great. Th- content to watch and because a lot of us in fact most of the country here in the United States I think the last stat I saw was like 4 out of 5 Americans are in quarantine or mandated quarantine right now it means that because we're not going out to see each other we got time to watch stuff and boy oh boy are there some good things to watch and by good I mean crazy and by crazy I mean your mind is not ready for just how wackadoo this show is and I of course am referring to the one and only Tiger King on Netflix. So I think what we want to do is make a decision in this moment. Do we want to make this a Tiger King spoiler conversation? Or do we want to make this a spoiler free
1: conversation? I'm down for the spoilers. because uh, I, mean, I yeah. have no intention of watching this whatsoever. So y'all can just teach me all about the Tiger King
0: either. I either think we
1: way. should
2: just roll with the spoilers because it's, uh, it's going to be hard to talk about it without it. Cause it's just so fucking weird.
0: It busts open
2: pretty early.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so let's then just make the spoiler tag right now. If you guys are listening or watching and you don't want to know about what happens in Tiger King because you're like, I've heard about it and I want to watch it on my own, you have been fairly warned that this conversation will contain spoilers for Tiger King. Okay, so... What is Tiger King you may be asking. I am Brianna, asking
1: legitimately that. I got my whiskey ready later on. <laughs> Rihanna,
0: how would you describe what Tiger King is? I would say Tiger King is a very
3: interesting docu-series that explores um private zoos, murder mysteries, some political intrigue, some cultish M- m- activities and um honestly it's up to you to decide who the good guys and the bad guys are but pretty much everybody's a bad guy we I was
2: should... supposed to say yeah spoilers they're all bad
1: <laughs> so does this follow a whole bunch of different stories or is it one story okay so it, it
2: started so originally when this guy was making the docu series as one story
0: on um the tiger main Tiger King uh so that guy is Eric good who is the um like the filmmaker of the series Yes. Why am I blanking
2: on the Tiger King's actual name? Joe Exotic. Joe Exotic. I don't know how it might like. Am I picturing him perfectly? But my brain was just like, nope, it's gone. We've so this is the guy with the blonde mullet in the the
3: eyebrow ring that's hanging on on for dear life.
2: His face.
1: (laughs) Joe Exotic. Okay, so who is Joe Exotic?
2: He was one of the original private zoo men in America. Him and Doc Antle, I believe, were probably two of the first. um and so the story was originally just about him and his zoo in Oklahoma. I believe it's Oklahoma. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Joe zoo you. is
0: in Oklahoma, correct. And
2: he but then as he like started to do this series, it just went down some weird ass rabbit holes and he follows. So then he started adding in storylines about other people, and oh. it just started to branch out and become sort of it like went beyond Joe, and it's now about like Carol. Carol fucking Baskin. Baskin.
3: Yeah.
0: So, Brittany, just to kind of like <laughs> set the set the stage for you. So, the series starts uh, with a look behind the scenes at private big cat ownership in the United States specifically. So, this idea of owning exotic animals in general is a little bit taboo. And in a lot of states, it's illegal, right? There's a lot of restrictions about what types of animals you can keep as pets in your home for Variety of great reasons. Um, but there's a lot of states that don't have specific legislation, and there's no federal regisla- legislation that governs if you can keep tigers specifically as private pets. Um, one of the statistics that the docuseries on Netflix threw out at the end in the credits was that there are an estimated five to 10,000 privately owned tigers just in the United States, and that in the wild conservation Conservationists are estimating there's only about four thousand wild tigers left. Wow. Which is a, a kind of mind bending statistic to wrap your head around that there are more than potentially more than double the amount of tigers in captivity in the United States than there are roaming free in the wild. So huh. that's not great, right? No. Um why and so So go ahead. What's your question?
1: Oh no, it was just why. Like I i just yes, hear for exa- the right. Oh, Tell because me. people exactly love power
0: why. and they love
2: having giant fucking pets and feeling special and being like, I'm mm-hmm. so cool. Look at
0: my dick. Yeah, exactly. essentially, essentially like, that's what it feels like that there's this draw. And like, I'm not here to disagree that there's not a draw to tigers. Like, I've always loved tigers as an animal. I think a lot of people out there, you know, have this innate kind of magnetism around them because of kind of this like majestic nature they have, how powerful they are, how rare they are, how beautiful they are in the cat kingdom. And you know, there's this desire amongst certain people to own them. But here's the thing. Turns out owning a tiger is real, real difficult and also wildly expensive because they're real cute and little for about a month and then they're not, then they get really big, really fast and become very difficult to, take care of and to feed, et cetera, et cetera. So they follow this guy who I can't pronounce his, his, his initial last name. He legally changed his name to Joe exotic and then literally legally changed it again to Maldonado passage, which is a hyphenated last name of two of his husbands of which he has multiple husbands. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, And he essentially, the documentary starts out looking at his ownership of big cats And how he has this zoo in Oklahoma, zoo in the biggest air quotes you can possibly put around it. And kind of like how he got into it and like why he houses all of these giant cats, because he had like over two hundred big cats in the park or whatever. And it's like, damn, I didn't know that you could keep that many tigers in one place. That's crazy. That's a lot of stakes. But yeah, so that's like the basic premise. But then it goes it goes places, Brittany. It goes places. It goes to murder. It goes to drugs.
2: Okay. It goes to, okay. to, to polygamy FBI setups. It goes like goes to some wild, wild places.
1: So you have this Joe Exotic or mm-hmm. Joe Maldonado, whatever, pas- Passage. whatever he has 200 cats or however many cats he he has five husbands. No, he had so three. He, star-
2: he had three at one. P- no, 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 no. He had two at one point simultaneously. One. Passed um, away. One. Yeah, that was. Oh, my God. He didn't there so away, like, he, he killed himself.
4: What? Like, but let's accidentally, be clear.
2: theoretically, according to like so. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Britney's uh, horrified. So we have to tell this part uh, of the story now. So the big one one aspect of Joe Exotic is that he's gay. he was he's getting, wildly gay. He's very gay, but he also sort of preyed on straight men who are drug addicts. So mm-hmm. two of his first husbands question mark on the third. They, the two first two admitted to not being gay they were oh. they are straight, but they uh married were him? kind of like addicted to meth like they were and he was Joe exotic is a very powerful personality, so they, they were attracted to that, then they got hooked on drugs, or maybe they were before i'm not storylines are blurred, but mm-hmm. essentially keeping somebody there through it's definitely not love right not a real relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the draw of the tigers, the draw of the drugs. Boys stay. One of them left and left with like the receptionist and is now married to her. And has <laughs> a kid like, with her. Has a kid living living off in the world doing okay. whatever he wants to do. The other, unfortunately, was like stuck around the park a lot, played with a lot of guns. One day in the office. Travis you're talking about yes Travis he was like he apparently thought it would be really thought it was a funny joke to like pull guns on people from when they were napping and like wake them up that way so he did that to one of this Joe's campaign manager because spoiler alert he runs for governor at some point uh and, and for president
1: <laughs> there is president. not enough fucking whiskey in the yeah. world for this story no there's yeah. not what is even happening keep going this is the best so he
2: ever. he go. pulls a gun on him well this guy's chilling there and he's like hey travis not cool do not do that and he goes hey man it's fine this gun is a body blah, blah i forget already what it is it doesn't have a clip in it it won't fire without a clip puts the gun to his head fires it goes off kills himself the more fucked up part is they have it partially on camera. You see them. You don't see him, but you see the muzzle shot and you see the reaction of the dude he was talking to. Who's just like,
1: oh, like, shit!"
2: Yeah. Yeah, like his live
3: reaction to witnessing this person taking their own life by accident.
0: Yeah. Oh, god. it is. Yeah. This is okay. why gun control is necessary, because human beings are stupid.
1: OK, so he was also also probably stupid, on drugs everybody. when he was
0: doing that. Just, you know, yeah, no, I, well, yeah. I mean, they, they go into detail in one of the later episodes about how Travis was like essentially high on marijuana almost all Always. the time. And that, you know, when Joe originally met him, he was on meth and that, you know, like he it's 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 intimated that he supplied him with drugs in order to kind of seduce him because here's travis this young 20 something from southern california who ends up with this like older guy in oklahoma who runs this big cat park and it's like how did this happen especially when it came out in the documentary that it was clear that travis wasn't actually gay that Travis was very much, you know, attracted to women and was hooking up with several of the women who worked at the park. But that for some reason he decided to marry Joe. I mean, like, it's so, it, the whole thing, Brittany, is just crazy. And so I I'm looking at the, I looked up Joe Exotic's husbands on Google <laughs> to kind of get an idea of how many husbands he had had. And it said it's I thought it was five, but now I'm seeing five four four i only know so, of three in the show only three in so the, the show but I so mean. there's three in the show yeah so the first three his first husband he was with for the longest um that was the guy who left joe and you know went off with the one of the receptionists and they had okay. a, a kid together mm-hmm. travis yep um dead Third guy, Dylan. At the end of the documentary series, uh, Dylan and Joe are still together, hypothetically. Yeah. But now Joe's in prison, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and then here, there's a fourth called John Hill. He spoke with Andy Cohen, who is known for his show Andy Cohen Live. He's, you know, one of the heads of Bravo TV now, about his marriage with Joe. And revealed that Joe had been placed, apparently, in COVID-19 isolation in prison, which is a new development. Oh, shit. Um, Wait, how did he meet that guy? uh, I don't know. It says the the 24-year-old revealed that the two only dated for a little over two weeks, according to E! Online, before they decided to jump the gun and get married, but that he has no regrets, and that the two tied the knot on December 11th, 2017, when he was only 22. That's the uh, other thing. They're all
2: they're all so young when he marries
0: them. It's so just like young. it feels so predatory. It's oh yeah terrible. yeah. So so let me read the quote here from from this guy John from this interview. So Andy asks, "Were the animals part of the allure in being with Joe?" It seems like a lot of people got swept away by the idea of petting the baby tigers and stuff. Uh, uh, so Dylan answered. Oh wait, Dylan, Dylan. Oh, this is Dylan Passage though. This isn't but John Dylan, Hill, his oh, third okay. husband. Yeah. So Dylan's Dylan said, uh, oh, 100%. I mean, I was in a really bad place when I met Joe. I was just going through a lot of things. I was an addict. Being around the animals gave me a purpose. It felt like I was actually doing something with my life. It brought me out of my depression. It was like my own little rehab. Joe never once encouraged me to do any drugs. I mean, I smoked a lot of weed, but that's literally it. During the interview, Andy also asked Dylan if he's still in touch with John Finlay or any of his, other of Joe's exes. Wait, who's John Finlay? Is I don't this know. like a fifth person? He's like, yeah, with John, he was always at the park. It was kind of frustrating. He acted like he was entitled to a lot of things. Blah 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 blah. Um, I don't John even know Finlay. who this no, is. John Finlay Joe was, was not
1: Exotic's ex-husband.
0: Wait, was Finlay the the
1: yeah, guy like... who
2: ran off? The first husband? Yeah, John is the first husband. He's the first husband. Oh, yeah.
0: So that was the first husband. Sorry. There's too many. It's hard to keep track of everybody. Five. (laughs) Five of them.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay. So, okay. So this is like what I have. So you have this dude. He has like five husbands at one point. Drugs are a thing. Yeah. where and why like what what happens like is it just the documentary just following all of them oh
3: but but Brittany, you're missing the whole carol baskin and his rival and then also the person who tries to steal his zoo from him
2: so no so also oh sorry i I just want to come back to the husbands because we're getting it a little wrong the first (laughs) and this is very important apparently (laughs) joe's first husband was brian ryan who he met in the 1980s that's, ah, there husband, it is. that's husband number one he was not on tiger king he okay. apparently died from complications of hiv in 2001 oh tragic That sucks so um,
0: that's that's the mystery fourth so dude. that's where that's that's where the other husband came from okay got it, got it. Okay. okay
1: okay 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 so you got dude and drugs and husbands and tigers
0: and then you have carol baskin okay Yes, Carol Baskin, Rihanna,
3: tell the Carol Baskin story. Carol Baskin is in charge of a wildlife preserve that tries to rescue tigers that are kept in captivity. And called
0: Big Cat Rescue.
3: Called Big Cat Rescue.
0: Carol Baskin Creative.
3: has a huge social media presence, and she likes to post videos and blogs saying like what's up all you, cat and hey, cool all you cats cool and kittens. cats and
1: kittens is carol cool is she a good guy like good girl? there are no good no. guys or girls no. This no
3: one is good everyone's bad carol baskin uh, may have killed her first husband and fed him to oh her my
0: cats. Fuck what the fuck okay allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly allegedly
2: allegedly and honestly
0: even if she didn't <laughs>
2: She's still not the world's greatest person. Yeah, so
0: Brittany, what's interesting about the way that this documentarian put this together, and for the record, I do not like the style of this. I do not like this man. I don't like the more you dig into him, the more it's like it gets shadier and shadier. Feels real bad. I, like I, I like it was off-putting. So when we call this a documentary series, like keep in mind that every documentary is through the lens of the person who's making it. And that is very apparent with Tiger King. Um, so, Carol Baskin, they do a whole backstory on her, but they don't really do it into what, episode three? Yeah. So they kind of they set her that up as like a good guy in the first episode or two. And then they dive deep into her very insidious backstory where she, you know, has this personality on social media, as Rihanna said, as being. A conservationist, but then you realize that she started out actually in like the cat, um, the big cat trade and big cat breeding, just like all of the other people that she is going up against did. And it's like, wait a minute, are you just like conveniently not telling people that you had this like nefarious part of your history? Or are you like apologizing for it and you're trying to do better? Or like, did you actually? You know, are you a better person? And the answer is like, no. No one, no one's the good guy in this scenario. Oh, boy. I think my favorite part though, was the, the when they did the pivot on Carol.
2: It was very clear, like they didn't really know from the beginning. So, like the way that they transitioned into that was somebody casually saying it, like, yeah, because they're, they're interviewing somebody and they're like, I don't know, when your her and our husband just like disappeared, blah blah blah. And they're, he was like, wait, what? What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. And they're like, oh. yeah, her. her her first husband, just no one ever found him. No one ever found him. And they were like, him. cold case. What? Just a cold case. He's fucking gone. And he was the millionaire, right? He was the one who had the money, which is what they were using to even start the cat breeding in the first place. Then, obviously, they continued to make money from that as a business. Like it's ha. Ah. It's really messed up. There's a lot of twists here. (laughs) Um, There's a twist almost every episode. (laughs) Yeah. No, because then at some point, so uh, there's Carol. And so Mm -hmm. now she is whatever, quote unquote, turned a new leaf. Her whole thing is the cat rescue. And Joe and her are like mortal enemies in this sense. Because Joe, she wants to help pass legislation that would basically shut his zoo down, right? Or shut all Mm -hmm. of the zoos down. But not the... The private ones, rather.
1: So you're led to believe she has turned a new leaf. Sure. Yes. You're okay. led to yeah. believe,
2: yes. And who's to say whether or not that's true? That's not really the point of the story. Mm. Um, but what it dives into is how Joe antagonizes her and Joe constantly is talking about killing her and is putting that on live streams. And the funnier part to me was how much it shows how messed up our toleration of online behavior is and how much you have to do in order to be taken as a credible threat to someone's life or someone's safety. Because he was going on video streams and pointing guns at mannequins and shooting them, being like, that's Carol, and that's what we're going to do to Carol. And putting, or like, here's this jar, and I'm going to put her head in this jar. And everyone was just like, yeah, but he's crazy, so don't worry about it. This man made an entire music video about her.
1: And how long ago it,
2: was that? Just out of
0: curiosity, like a, do you know.
2: Like a year or two ago? Oh,
1: okay, so it was recent. Really?
2: I thought it was more than that, but I'm not I can't I don't actually anyway. remember the time. Oh, I thought
0: it was 2018? like 2017 or 2018 when he got sentenced. Mhm. Sentenced, so that would mean the stuff he was doing was before that. Oh, you mean when he when his feud yeah. with Carol started? Yeah. Oh, 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 I don't I don't I can't remember how far back the feud but began. But it's like but...
2: old, like you can tell the grainy shitty quality of like original internet video. <laughs> yeah,
0: he yeah, had so essentially, years like, of footage feud. against
2: her, for sure.
0: Yeah, Jeez. Yeah. so their feud Brittany kind of stemmed from this idea that she went after him because her th- whole thing is like, I'm all about conservationists and I'm trying to protect these cats and I bring these big cats in when people you know, buy a baby tiger because they think it's cool to have a baby tiger. And then they realize within a couple of weeks, oh, shit, I have a baby tiger that's no longer a baby anymore. What am I going to do with this? And then they want to dump it. And they're like, well, t- her her big cat rescue will take these tigers and give them a home. And it's like that sounds on its face like a good thing, right? It's like, oh, that sounds great. But maybe, like, why don't you work with, like, an animal conservationist? program that will actually put them back into the wild though because it feels like tigers shouldn't be in a park in florida where big cat rescue is with a bunch of free
3: volunteers
0: yeah it's like outside of tampa it's like it feels like tigers should be back in like their natural habitat which isn't florida Mm. spoilers it's like india or africa or a variety of other places that aren't on north american continents because tigers aren't from here (laughs) um And so there's like it's it's tough because as I mentioned, like all of the framing of Carol Baskin is done through the lens of the the person who made this series, and I don't know Carol Baskin. I've (laughs) never met her, but based (laughs) off what we've seen just on Tiger King, seems like maybe she's not as good of a person as she pretends to be on the internet. That said, she's definitely, in my opinion, the least. The, the worst of the evils, yes. the least of the evils. Oh uh, yes, the 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 best, the best. Yeah, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out of all of the people, because
2: I don't necessarily agree or whatever with what she's doing, I don't necessarily disagree with it either. I just think she seems like kind of a shit person. Yeah. <laughs> um. But there's a lot of there's a there's, lot of shit people. You you got, got so Sex many, cult like, leaders. So and con really men. Like, Yeah, there's <laughs> so many other worse people that you're just like, well okay you, you kind of mm-hmm. get a, a little bit of a pass
1: okay um, so you yeah, <laughs> got joe and carol
2: joe and carol oh and then baby girl there's even more there's so a lot you got more the weird the weird doc ansel who i was talking about before he's just he's a very side branch he can be a brief one um he essentially is creepo master number 12 and okay. he, sex cult leader sex cult leader he'll like oh my God. get he does the same thing that joe does but with
0: girls basically uh, and, and he's got the and he's got the tigers and he's got the whole ho- okay can i simer i have to interrupt you for a second i uh-huh. i had a i had a an argument with john when we first started watching tiger king because in like the second episode the the director really kind of pivots to framing doc in a very negative way and i was like I was like, why is he doing this? It feels like it's unfair. Like, uh, like this guy just like hasn't done anything to deserve this. And John's like, no, I'm pretty sure he's going to turn out to be like an evil bad guy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but like he's on The Tonight Show. So Doc Antle is this guy who has been in animal handling and an exotic animal handling in Hollywood for a really long time. And so he's got this, like, really long list of all of these shows that he's brought animals on because we've all seen those segments on TV where they have the person who brings out the, the weird animal. It used and to be Jack Hanna. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be good guys like Steve Irwin, you know, and, like, thankfully, Bindi has taken up her dad's mantle and is doing a lot of that now, which I think is awesome, but, like, there are also, like, bad dudes like Doc Antle who are doing it because, like, the exotic animal business is a relatively small community where all of these people know each other. And clearly when Hollywood is going to book, like, an exotic animal to work on a film shoot, there's only, like, probably X amount of people who you go to to book that. And apparently Doc Antle is one of those guys. Uh, after this, I don't think Doc Antle ever going to work in Hollywood again. Um and so at the at the beginning I was like why are they making this guy seem so bad I was like he he didn't convince these women you know he's not holding these women against their will they're just like wanting to have all the cute cats and they see that he works in hollywood and they're just being like typical like ons. and then like each passing episode i had to eat a little bit more crow i was like god damn it he's the worst why is everybody in this show the goddamn worst i
2: don't get it yeah the worst part about doc in my opinion is not the (laughs) the weird sex cult it's the thing where he's basically accused of once tigers are past the cute age of like being able to be in petting parties essentially he just shoots them and buries them yeah
3: he euthanizes these babies that and paying his employees four hundred dollars
2: a month that's better than carol baskins who pays them literally nothing
1: She's oh my like, God. these this
0: bitches are the- dumb enough to volunteer, so everyone's a volunteer. It's just all bad. <laughs> yes. All like, of it is all bad.
1: biggest garbage fire I've... It, like, I know you You can't haven't even gotten up.
2: to Jeff Lowe yet. What the
1: fuck?
2: <laughs> is that his name? I think that's his name. Yes! That's Jeff Lowe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay it,
1: I mean, I can't... Nothing can possibly surprise me at this point, so lay it on me.
2: So Jeff Lowe comes into the picture because... Joe Exotic does some stupid shit. Carol Baskin starts to sue him for it because she can because he basically takes her name, her copyright name, and is like, "Now we're Big Cat Productions. And we're this is what we make for our reality show." And they're like, "Uh, no, that's not how that works." And she obviously has a lot of money, so Joe, not so much. She runs him through legal courts basically over and over again until he has no more financial, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, resources, assets, assets.
0: yeah. yeah. He's, he's, the things he, that he the done, government like possesses broke. when you I when you lose liquidity. a lawsuit, the government is like, "Yo, we uh, well, not the government really. I mean, that's more that's a different thing. But like, the lawyers will do like a laundry list, like an inventory of everything you have that's of of value because you lost the lawsuit, and then like then the government enforces paying the lawsuit back. And so the lawyers will then make a list of everything you own that's worth value, and they took literally everything from Joe Exotic that had any value whatsoever. And, like, the, the series documents this, and they show them, like, oh, he took this, he took this, he took this. It's like, yeah, no, it's because he he broke the law, and he did a thing he wasn't supposed to do, and instead of, like, negotiating with them, he tried to fight it, even though he knew that he was wrong. And yeah, just did some light the- arson. and <laughs> just <laughs> like, so... <laughs> destroying evidence. Yeah. We didn't even oh, talk about that. Oh,
2: so he gets in all this trouble. Doesn't have any more money. So what he does for a lot of his stuff is like, he'll put everything in other people's names. So a lot of his cars or whatever were in his husband's names. So that it, that's, that they, so they couldn't do exactly what Andrew is saying. Right. For a lot of stuff. They can't repossess. They, anything. You can't repossess anything if it's not yours. So one of the things he did, he met this guy, Jeff Lowe, um, who is turns out to spoiler alert be a con man but at the beginning he thinks is this really great guy he's really rich he's got this hot wife whatever they party in vegas all the time these are great people they're going to help me they want to help the zoo and they're what i'm going to do is i'm going to put the zoo in jeff's name because that way carol baskin cannot get it so jeff takes the zoo and then takes takes the zoo zoo. (laughs) And brings in his own management to this place. Oh, we didn't even talk about the girl who got her arm eaten, but whatever. What the (laughs) fuck?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, oh, or the guy <laughs> that has no legs, and for the longest time you wonder, did a tiger eat his legs? And he's like, "Oh no, I lost my legs in a ziplining accident." <laughs> yeah, he he was he was not tiger
2: related. He just yeah, he's just chilling. He's no. straight chilling. Um <laughs> but yeah, no. Some this one of the that was fucked up too. Oh god. But we can forget Brittany, about the,
0: her. This whole show is like the biggest dumpster <laughs> fire you've ever seen. <laughs> it, it really like, is.
1: You can't make this shit up, but again, like this just sounds like one fucking monstrosity after the other. Okay, so now Joe is putting things in everyone else's name. He puts it in Jeff's name. He Jeff literally takes name. over the zoo.
2: Yes, and then, then it. Uh, he basically steals the zoo from him. Okay. And as he's going along, Jeff gets in trouble for a couple of other things. Having tigers illegally in Vegas is one of them.
0: They put baby tigers in rollerboard suitcases so that they could bring them up to people's hotel rooms sneakily so that they wouldn't get caught because, yo, that's not legal. So that way people would pay him to bring tigers to Vegas suite parties and then they would bring these baby tigers and people would then pet the baby tigers and pass them around. But they would then like put them in luggage to bring them oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. The animal cruelty is unreal.
3: The yeah, thing. I mean That's it's great. definitely
0: a giant trigger for. I mean, and like, I am glad that they didn't show like some of the more egregious things that were talked about, but never shown about some of the an- animal cruelty, particularly like them. Like, there was a moment where I thought they were going to show Joe Exotic shooting a tiger in the face. Yeah, and like it's it's crazy because like it, this is all cast against the idea of owning private tigers in the united states like the idea of like having a tiger as a pet like these people are like we have a zoo but it's like you don't really have a zoo you have like a glorified park with a bunch of fences and it does feel like at least some of the people on staff at these places actually cared about the well-being of the animals and actually were trying to do the right thing they just didn't have the funds to do it properly like A big part of the storyline with Joe Exotic Zoo was that he didn't have the money to feed the tigers because like when you have 200 tigers, it's like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year worth of meat because tigers eat raw protein. Like cats are supposed to eat just raw protein. And so they were getting offloaded meat from Walmarts to feed their animals. Expired.
2: Expired.
0: The they simply couldn't a, sell
2: to humans anymore they would get that and then oh. and the sadder part is that the humans would take it too they'd be like because a lot of people who worked there were very poor and then so, at one point they were using it to make pizzas for his pizzeria also true they used Wait, expired I meat totally on the missed that part yeah so at some point to try and make the park more lucrative they added a pizzeria and they definitely oh. used the meat from the expired trucks on those pizzas
1: holy
3: shit <laughs> Hit. honestly i don't think there is an episode of any podcast that would be long enough to go into the depths that this <laughs> documentary reaches
2: there's so much okay well we're, we have to take we have to finish this journey for britney because it's not over yeah, yet baby so you girl can't you can't leave me hanging so i'm trying to remember the exact timelines it gets a little blurry honestly the way that they juggle timelines so but jeff has so the jeff has the point. zoo and at some point along the way while he has the zoo the um what is the name of the bureau? It's like the Fish and Wildlife or something or mm. they're basically oh. the FBI but
0: for animal animal Yeah, cases. so there's a separate government entity that manages um that manages exotic animal stuff. Let me look it up. Something yeah. fish and Yeah. Okay, Game. so the,
1: there's the organization. So there's
2: so now. the government is like, "Hey, we are hearing some rumblings of some weird shit going on around. I think originally it was actually probably about Jeff Lowe. So what Jeff Lowe started to do... This is all insinuated, of course. Is it the U.S.
0: Fish and Wildlife Service? Yes. That one. Yeah.
2: Because it sounds really benign and you're like, whatever, what could
0: they do? But no, they're actually... (laughs) there. Actually, on Google, it says, what does the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service do? They protect wildlife resources through effective enforcement of federal laws. We assist with efforts to un- recover endangered species, conserve migratory birds, preserve wildlife habitat, safeguard fisheries, combat invasive species, and promote international wildlife conservation. Okay. Yep.
2: All
1: right, so, that's so they, what they start do. investigating Jeff. So they start
2: investigating Jeff, we think. Um, Because what happens in the part that they actually what actually happens is Jeff very cleverly starts pushing Joe Exotic more on the Carol Baskin front. Starts being like, hey, don't you want to kill this bitch? Whatever, like gets him to Uh... say things on camera that will make that are very incriminating. Um, And at some point he like at some point, Joe hires Alan, who is Jeff's right hand man. Or at least it says okay. that this is what's happening to go to Florida and kill her, and mm-hmm. theoretically theoretically gives her three thousand, gives him three thousand, gives Alan three thousand dollars to go do it. Says so mm-hmm. here's three thousand dollars, get your ass to Florida. We've I seen thought it sounded ch- cheap for murder. Oh, that's <laughs> pretty cheap. Really? Like, yeah. I wow. was like, There's no way anybody would do that. First of all, you'd have to be really fucking dumb. But that aside, they're they're all pretty dumb on this show.
1: <laughs> okay, so so, somewhat, so Jeff's. One of Jeff's right-hand man has been hired by Joe to go kill Carol. Yes. 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 This is what it has been set up
2: as. So who knows if it was actually real? If Jeff's really good at setting it up, who can say? Um, But so that is what then the Eye of Sauron moves to. And they start collecting more and more evidence. They start uh, wiring people to go talk to Joe or whatever getting more and more evidence on this thing. That's when the arson...
0: Well, no, there was multiple arsons, weren't there? Shit. There were two. There's yeah. two arsons. Oh, my God. Oh. So I think what Stimer's trying to communicate is that the feds here know that there's a lot of bad shit happening, and they're trying to figure out what's the easiest charge that we can bring against this guy to get so in. that we can then bring all of the other, like, smaller charges... And so that's why they're trying to collect evidence against this murder for hire hit, because clearly that'll have the longest sentence if they can convict against that. But that was actually crazily the flimsiest charge of like the, what, 20 charges they brought against Joe Exotic. I think there were 19. Yeah. Um, because they didn't have enough evidence because clearly everybody who's a witness is fucking not believable.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. This is, this is someone's life. Like, it's just, no, it's just crazy that people live this way. Some people mm-hmm. live this way. Like, this is, wow. Okay. Well, anyway, so now they're looking, they're investigating.
2: They investigated Joe. Okay. They arrested Joe. Well, Joe also took off, right? At, like, so yeah. he's yeah. scared. He got spooked because he, he knew that shit was going down. He got okay. spooked. He moved with his new baby husband, Dylan, to some other place in Oklahoma. Thinking he could, I don't know, outrun the feds. And then stupidly continued to post on social media. They moved to Florida. He kept tagging everything as Belize. Bitch, you're not in Belize.
0: Also, can we for a second talk about the fact that he tagged hashtag Belize, hashtag Mexico? Oh, Oh, no. As if Mexico and Belize are the same place. (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Okay, well. mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, not the brightest bulb. The brightest hair, possibly. This huh. Is very bleached. The hair is very but, bright. <laughs> so then, yeah. So the feds catch him in in Florida because not believe. Clearly, he didn't go in to Mexico. Belize or Mexico. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of those two places did he go. Uh, and he he gets convicted. Like they they charged him with 19 counts of all sorts of shit, going from something small like selling baby tigers to like, hey, trying to murder a woman, plot <laughs> to commit murder. <laughs> A plot to commit murder i think the funnier part to me is yeah looking at him you're like this man is not smart enough to do any of this well not well he, obviously the, the tiger shit sure uh because another thing oh the other party they got him for was like euthanizing four tigers because they oh, saw yeah. they found skeletons of four tigers in the backyard of oh. the office or something um although like two is he had a This sounds terrible, but, like, a somewhat decent point of, like, sometimes an animal gets sick or whatever, and, like, you have to put them down. I'm like, well, you don't usually shoot them in the head, but okay. If you're in Oklahoma and you're
0: poor, maybe that is what you do. I don't know. But I – like, it's – it was a little raw for me as somebody who just, like, went through a usual thing with my own own cat. And as a cat mom – And it was like it was weird because at first John was like, do you want to watch this right now? And I was like, no, like this is absurd. This is like not real life. But then apparently it was all real. Um, But I think like the idea of uh, that Joe was trying to make not to fucking defend Joe Exotic. (laughs) um, But apparently I'm defending Joe Exotic. That's how I felt five seconds ago. So you're fine. The amount of the amount of drugs or chemicals that would require to properly euthanize a tiger, which zoos sometimes have to do, um, was probably way more expensive than he could pay for. If he was looking at murdering somebody for $3,000. And this is a guy who like carried a gun at his hip and literally every shot that they had of him, like he always had a gun on him. The, The gun culture of this show is not to be understated. Like they guns are everywhere pink camo guns skinned guns people just randomly shooting guns and in like the last episode there's these moments where joe's just like trying to be funny like shooting guns at like the feet of people in the park and they like run away like ah! and i was like motherfucker if you shot a gun like a real fucking gun at my feet as a joke it would be over for you i would be bringing charges against you but apparently People who like guns in Oklahoma think that that's just a funny pastime joke. I was just like, whoa. So in that mindset, it's believable that in Joe's mind, he was just euthanizing an animal with a gun when in the minds of the authorities, he was doing it in a much more nefarious way. And who's right? Right man the only good say (laughs) again not to defend joe exotic
2: the only thing for this point where i was like this seems like a weak a really weak case is that there were only four of them and like if he was regularly just out there shooting tigers and you have 200 on your property you found four like mathematically there would be more if he was
0: some crazy like tiger murderer right Well, and i like Again, for the third time now. Not to defend Joe, not, of all the of all the wackadoos on this fucking TV show, it did feel like Joe. Of all the men, specifically, like putting Carol Baskin aside because she's her own special kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it did feel like Joe was the guy who actually like cared about the cats and wanted to keep the cats alive and form these friendships and relationships with them. It felt like Jeff Lowe was clearly just using them for pussy, for lack of a better word. Yeah. in both In um, both, both, both senses of the word. Him and Doc Antle. It felt like both of those men were using the big cats as power plays to get mm-hmm. women. and Absolutely. Doc Antle very specifically. But Jeff Lowe, the same way. It I, And I don't want to like make a weird correlation or any kind of overarching judgments about the differences between the fact that, jeff and doc were heterosexual versus you know joe being homosexual but it didn't seem like joe was using the tigers to get like hordes and hordes of men but it did seem uh, like
2: he got both three jeff- husbands out of it what are you talking about
3: it seems well, like joe desperately like just a- wanted a husband and just kept acquiring more doc and jeff felt Wanted like harems. they
0: felt like they were just down to have fuck parties all the time yeah. they didn't want to marry any of these women they didn't want long-term relationships they didn't want to keep them around well with the exception of jeff and like lauren right they ended up having a kid together but like oh that was like, a rough conversation to uh, watch oh, my, oh my god when he was talking about how he needs his nanny to be hot yeah, And then he was like, I can't wait till you start losing weight after you give birth. I was like, you motherfucking
1: yeah. asshole of a human He was like, being. she's got to hit the gym
0: as soon as this thing comes out. I was like,
2: wow.
1: Wow. Um, wow.
2: Okay. Why so, are you in this relationship?
1: So have we covered... we covered
2: the major plot points. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so at the end, he gets arrested. At the end, he's in jail, and he talks about and he's still uh, right in jail. He's still Yeah, so in they jail. find
0: him guilty. He's serving currently a 22-year sentence. So let I I pulled up this story here from justice.gov. Uh <laughs> Joe Exotic convicted of murder for hire and violating both the Lacey Act and the Endangered Species Act. So it says that um on September 5th, 2018, a federal grand jury returned an indictment that accused Maldonado Passage of a hiring an unnamed person in November of 2017, so this wasn't that long ago, to murder <laughs> Jane Doe in Florida. Also hiring a person who turned out to be an undercover FBI agent to commit that murder. That's a wrinkle we didn't talk about. We'll just leave that for another time. Superseding indictment handed down on November 7th, 2018, further alleged that Maldonado Passage falsified forms involving the sale of cats and sold an offer to sell tiger cubs in interstate commas, which is illegal. Because tigers are an endangered species, these alleged killings and sales violated the Endangered Species Act. During a trial that began on March 25th, a jury heard evidence that Maldonado Passage gave Alan Grover... Alan Glover, excuse me, $3,000 to travel from Oklahoma to South Carolina and then to Florida to murder Carol Baskin with a promise to pay thousands more after the deed. Baskin, a critic of Maldonado Passages Animal Park, owns a tiger refuge in Florida, secured a multi-million dollar judgment against Maldonado Passages Park, which is really why he wanted to murder her because she won the lawsuit against him. In addition to the murder-for-hire counts, the trial included evidence of violations of the Lacey Act, which makes it a crime to falsify records of wildlife transactions in interstate commerce. According to these counts, Maldonado Passage designed, designated on delivery forms and certificates of veterinary inspection. The tigers, lions, and a baby lemur were being donated to the recipient or transported for exhibition only when he knew they were being sold. So that's really how they got him. Finally, the the jury heard evidence that Maldonado Passage personally shot and killed five tigers in October of 2017 without a veterinarian present and in violation of the Endangered Species Act.
1: So ladies, we have a question from Groovy Muse. If you all get to talking about Tiger King, what's your one takeaway from the series? Personally, I thought some of the last talking points about wild animal captivity and cruelty stuck with me. Also, I could hear myself echo during half of that sentence. So, if it I'm weird, proud of you.
2: You for sound great it through that because I also have had the speech jammer happen, and it's really difficult to make it through a sentence when it does. Thanks,
1: baby girl. Thank you. I, thanks, whiskey. Okay, so like, what do you take away from this? this is, you've all seen the clusterfuck, and I have no desire to see this now. I, you did a great job explaining it. I've seen all I've needed to see.
0: I think my takeaway is I hope that people who see this decide instead to donate their money to real conservationist efforts. There was somebody on my Twitter feed that's like, imagine if Jeff Lowe and Joe Exotic had instead of spending money on Joe Exotic's governor and presidential campaign runs, which we never really brought up, which was her thing which is another indictment that he had because turns out you can't just fund your own presidential campaign. There's a lot of laws against campaign financing. He broke those too. Um, (laughs) Yep, he did. Imagine the good that they could have done with these, what ended up potentially being millions of dollars that they spent over a couple of years to actually fund the preservation of tigers in their natural habitat instead of further breeding tigers under this guise of allowing people to play with them as kittens and then either not having a space for them and then putting them in cages or euthanizing them. There's this really sad moment at the end of the series where Joe finally admits that he kept these chimpanzees apart from each other in a cage for 10 years. And then when he got arrested, he, you know, kind of released them to a Florida conservation company where they got to be in like a natural chimpanzee habitat together and that they they had this moment where they like hugged because they were forever like holding each other's hands like through a cage. Oh, he kept them in separate cages. And the the guy Eric had asked him, the doc, the filmmaker was like, you know, the, do you think that you kept them apart? Is this your fault? And he was like, yeah, no, like I did. I, d- I prevented them from being chimpanzees together for 10 years of their life. And that at the very end is like the biggest fucking gut punch. And it's like Those the rats. animals are the real fucking victims
2: here, man. I, I agree with you on that. There was also one line that I thought was very sort of poetic justice. So they have phone calls with Joe and he's in jail. And one of the things he says is like, do you know why animals die in cages? It's because their soul dies first. Oh, And I was like, and that's what's going to happen to you, sir. Like you will probably die in jail and it will be your soul that goes first. But after all that you have done, because I do agree, like at the beginning of his career or foray into this industry, he probably had decent intentions and like was more interested in the animals. And then it just blew into like this whole narcissistic evil Growth thing, like where then it becomes about you, and I'm the personality, and I'm the star. I'm amazing. Aren't I amazing? Tell me I'm amazing. And it becomes this twisted, gross thing. And like, so now to have to have, like, now he just has time to sit and think. Although apparently now he is ill, but I'm not sure.
0: But <laughs> I don't know how somebody in prison gets COVID 19, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> I guess they-, yeah. they allowed visitors. I don't know.
2: Before. Yeah,
0: my takeaways would be two things. A,
3: do your research. Like, there are a lot of celebrities that popped up in this documentary. as patrons of Doc Antle and Joe Exotic. And it's honestly just really disappointing to see that they went for this exciting moment where I can hold a tiger. And they didn't really look any further into the situation to see, like, hey, this is animal abuse. I should maybe shine a light on this or maybe not give them my money or give them my publicity. And it's it's just disappointing. So I would say, first of all, do your research. If you're going to get involved with somebody and you have any bit of power, use it responsibly and be, if somebody, you know, needs help, or if you need help, get help. Joe Exotic seems like a very, very hurt person. Like there's a lot of things that happen to him that come up in the documentary that are extremely traumatizing very damaging to anybody. And it seems as though Joe Exotic didn't have the resources that would have possibly helped to lead him down maybe a more healthy or less damaging path for the rest of the world. And there are so many resources out there. There are so many people out there that care. There's Take This. There are different organizations that can help you get back on track if something's hurting you and it's causing you to act out against others and yourself and if you're not feeling good or if you feel like you need some outside source to validate your existence, then that is not a good place to be. And there are people who can help you put you back on track. Amen.
1: That was, that was very well said, Ri. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. Well, hmm. thank you, ladies, for uh, introducing me to that whole world it was
2: a thing you're welcome I <laughs> it
3: think it sounds
1: like I still I yeah right it sounds like I still even missed about half of the craziness that went down some political run you did
0: and- I think like the big like remaining question for me is at the end of the series Jeff Lowe was building a brand new zoo at the edge of Oklahoma and Texas to move because he robbed <laughs> Joe Exotic of his zoo uh, which ended up you know, I don't want to see be say being for the best because it's not. But like, I think that this idea that he is moving, he's shutting down the former zoo that Joe Exotic was known for, and is moving all of the animals to this brand new, supposedly bigger, more luxurious, more space for the animals' experience. And me going, is he though? I feel like Jeff Lowe definitely is guilty of something, and this documentary is not gonna be good for him so how are people going to go to this new thing but i mean on the show they kind of
2: already highlighted like i think that was already falling
0: apart the
2: the partnership between jeff lowe i already forget the other guy's name there was another guy who was also yet again
0: a private zoo owner dude who is also kind of a piece of shit and I tweeted a gif of him earlier because I was like, <laughs> "Who is this random dude on the jet ski that's now just like coming in at like?" No, the 11th that's a different hour. dude. That's a, the other dude. There's Are you another about the Chucky dude. dude?
2: Uh, yes, the Chucky. No, not Ch- not talking? No, 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 not the Chucky dude. Not the Chucky other guy dude. who what? had the monkeys. The monkey guy. <laughs> The guy who always had a monkey on him and was like driving a bulldozer and was building this zoo by himself is what it looked like in texas or whatever the edge of texas and i was just like i'm sorry you're gonna build (laughs) this giant zoo by yourself there's no more bourbon left in this bottle to deal with the bullshit one tractor he had one (laughs) tractor and he was just moving dirt by himself (laughs) and i was like this will take you 20 years are you seriously (sighs) trying to do this alone
4: Oh, no. And then he was like,
2: well, Jeff, it turns out Jeff didn't have any money. I'm like, no shit, Jeff didn't have any. Jeff never had any money. Jeff is, the only thing Jeff has money for is affliction shirts. That's it.
0: Tea. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if this has piqued your interest, there is no shortage of stories of all of these characters responding to the internet loving Tiger King um, so we encourage you to go and research because, man, there was like a whole nother rabbit hole of shit to fall down when it comes to Tiger King. Brittany, are you intrigued? Do you want to go watch it now? Fuck no.
1: <laughs> I just actually <laughs> heard about some zombie flick on Netflix that I'm kind of thinking about, but it will absolutely not be Tiger King. It's a Korean zombie series called Oh Kingdom. Kingdom? Yeah, I, I saw Cliff ski tweet about it, and like that sounds like something had like a lot more than this bullshit that y'all just described. It's pretty dope. So. Kingdom is dope. Yeah. Well, I'm down to
0: keep talking about what we're watching as long as we're all watching stuff. So, um so watch it. Ladies, watch it and let's talk about it. So, um thank you everybody for hanging with us through this Wild Tiger King conversation and the rest of the show. We know this has been a very long episode, but we know that you like the in-deep conversations and like this was this was a fun one for sure.
1: Oh boy. It went
0: places. <laughs> Me- Memeable to say the least. We will be back on Monday at eleven AM Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games. And then of course your regular Friday show will be as scheduled. And I didn't mention this earlier in the show, so I'm mentioning it at the very end. A very special guest named Jessica Chobot is finally joining us on What's Good Games. We've been trying to get her on the show for literally years. As you can imagine, she's a very busy person. But also, as you can imagine, she's not going anywhere right now. So I reached out and was like, can we finally get you on the show? And she's like, yes, let's do it. So we will have her next week. Hopefully, you guys will join us for that. In the meantime, play some video games. Be good to each other. Give somebody a thank you, a hug, a moment of gratitude. It's tough right now. Spread some love in your life. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.